The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? He's asking friends. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! We want to begin with that breaking news. A mass shooting at the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. The celebration for the Kansas City Chiefs turned into a nightmare. At least one person was killed, more than 30 others injured, and that includes two dozen people with gunshot wounds. Eight of those who were shot are children. The extent of their injuries is not yet known. Law enforcement sources tell CBS News this all may have started with an argument. There are now three people in custody. Nearly one million people were expected to gather along the parade route in Missouri with hundreds of law enforcement officials on hand. Fans are seen running for their lives as gunshots rang out just after the team finished speaking to the crowd. We can report that the FBI is on the scene and that the president has been briefed. The Kansas City Chiefs says all of its players, coaches and staff are safe. The moment that the victory celebration turned violent. Gunfire. Screams. As a horrifying reality set fans, including families, running for their lives. First responders giving CPR and fans being loaded onto stretchers. 800 law enforcement officers were on site, many running toward the gunfire, taking two armed suspects into custody. You've got kids and you've got elderly people and you're not expecting something like this. It, it was just as, as horrible a feeling as you can imagine. People began to run as hard as they could in all directions. People knocked down, children knocked down. A nearby level one trauma center is now caring for some of the victims. There is uh, one deceased person. Our gunshot wound total has went up to 22. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes tweeted, quote, praying for Kansas City. Law enforcement officials tell us that there is no evidence that this was an act of terrorism. New developments in the brutal beating of two police officers in Times Square by migrants. The NYPD announcing new arrests in the attack, but first, Yo Henry Brito, the only suspect who was sent to Rikers after the beating of the police officers, has been released on bail. A pastor from a Brooklyn church posted the $15,000 bail. Again, this comes as the NYPD announced more arrests in that attack that, of course, was caught on camera. One of the suspects originally arrested in the Times Square beating of those two police officers and who was released without bail has been arrested again. He has been rearrested, this time for a different crime. Darwin gomez Gale is back in the system again, this time in connection with a shoplifting robbery at Macy's in the Queen Center Mall in Elmhurst. Police say he was part of a group who stole from the store and attacked a security officer. Just a few weeks ago, he was arrested as part of the migrant mob that kicked and punched two NYPD officers in Times Square. At that time, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg released him without bail. The police union demanding that the Queens DA now hold him for the alleged Macy's robbery this week. We want to make sure that this judge puts this criminal behind bars 
where he should be. In another major development in the Times Square beating, D.A. Bragg announcing another arrest. Yarwin Madras was arrested Tuesday and is now being held without bail. The D.A. saying that he was hiding out in an apartment in the Bronx with his co-defendants in the Times Square beating. Kelvin Servita Arrocha and Wilson Juarez. The Manhattan DA's office had released the two without bail, but now they have been detained by ICE. Donald Trump has appealed his claim of absolute immunity to the Supreme Court. The former president is pushing to extend the delay in his election interference trial, arguing he is immune from prosecution. A federal appeals court rejected that claim last week, saying the case would return to trial. What happens now is really the Supreme Court is going to decide whether or not to take this case. The Supreme Court is deciding whether or not to review a quite complete and thorough D.C. Circuit decision on this issue of presidential immunity. So I think there's a chance that they just don't take the case at all, even though it is a matter of first impression, even though it is the type of thing you would typically see the Supreme Court review. President Biden issued a stark warning to Israel, saying that it should not proceed with a major military operation in Rafah without a credible plan to protect civilians. Speaking alongside Jordan's King Abdullah at the White House, the president also said the U.S. was working on brokering a hostage deal that would pause fighting for at least six weeks. The United States is working on a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas, which would bring an immediate and sustained period of calm to Gaza for at least six weeks, which we could then take the time to build something more enduring heightened fears of a widening war in the Middle East. It's unlikely that Iran will choose to respond directly against the U.S., but one possibility would be through its proxy armed group Hezbollah, based in Lebanon, right on that Israeli border. The Israeli military has been trading fire with Hezbollah fighters since the Hamas attack on October 7th, and increasingly there has been a lot of saber-rattling. Israeli troops are on the ready in the north, and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has threatened to turn Beirut into Gaza, while Hezbollah's leader, Hassan Nasrallah, has warned that if Israel wages war against them, it will be very costly. Hezbollah has an arsenal of over 150,000 missiles, which according to Israeli analysts are five times larger and far more accurate than what Hamas uses in Gaza. Right now, I would say um, I think we have a chance to be a great offense. That's all it is right now is a chance. Last year was a struggle for us offensively. My expectation is that we are an elite offense again. That's what I expect. I think it's a reasonable expectation with what we have. But again, we got to go show you. It's been three months. Does it feel any more real now than it did at the start? Yes, uh, for sure. You know, and uh, it's exciting because uh, to be able to put in a big league uniform uh, as a manager for the first time and to do it for this organization, for the New York Mets, is, is such an honor and a privilege. And I'm really, really excited. You know, it was long three months, you know, but now day one and uh, seeing some of the faces uh, is really, really exciting.
boys of summer. And after all that really serious and some really disturbing and depressing news that we put together five major stories, starting with the shooting at the Kansas City Chief Super Bowl Parade. We did end the Open with the two managers of your local baseball teams, Aaron Boone first, the Yankee manager in Tampa, where the Yankees start spring training this week. And then the new Met manager, don't forget, I think we've forgotten already, that the Mets fired Buck Showalter after two years at the end of last season. And now Carlos Mendoza, former Yankee coach, is now the Mets manager. He was live in Port St. Lucie. So the good news is, before we get to a lot of bad news, a lot of bad news, once the Super Bowl is over, even though the Rangers are in the midst of a great season, Right now, the three seed inside the Eastern Conference, one point behind the Florida Panthers, three points behind the Boston Bruins in the midst of a five-game win streak with 71 points. And the Knickerbockers, although playing badly lately and all beat up, right now just a half a game ahead of the 76ers for the four seed, the Knicks and Rangers still keeping it interesting. But the good news is once the Super Bowl is over, that means spring is on its way. And once you hear spring training baseball, you start to think about sunny skies and afternoons at the ballpark and going to the beach and all the fun stuff that we cannot do today. So the Mets, in case you're curious, they start their spring training schedule on the 24th against the Cardinals. And the Mets start the season March 28th, a four-game set starting in Queens on a Thursday afternoon against the Milwaukee Brewers. It's a 1 p.m. start that game. The Yankees, they start their spring training schedule at the uh, Tigers on Feb 24. And the Yankees start the season, same day as the Mets, Thursday, March the 28th in Houston, a four-game set against the Astros. In fact, the Yankees play their first seven games of the season on the road this year. Four-game set in Houston three-game set in Arizona, and the Yankees' first home game is their eighth game of the season, and that comes your way Friday, April the 5th. They will host Toronto. So there's your uh, your baseball look as, again, spring training started for the Mets yesterday and the Yankees, I believe, officially today. But the big story is this awful shooting in Kansas City. There the Chiefs were celebrating their second consecutive Super Bowl win, Mahomes out there, head coach Andy Reid. But look like what looked like a um a little drunk Travis Kelsey singing uh Garth Brooks famous song, Friends in Low Places, everybody having a good time. They said about a million people, about a million just so you know, we get about two million. Canyon of Heroes when the Yankees win, we get about two million. But a million people in Kansas City. And then The unimaginable shots ring out. People are running for their lives, running over elderly people, running over children. A a 40-plus-year-old lady with two children shot dead at the scene. At least eight or nine kids shot at the scene. I believe now about two dozen injured due to gunshot wounds. Close to 30 injured overall. Just an absolute disaster. So with that said, Noam Layden, good morning. 
What is the latest? So you have a lot of it there. That really what they're trying to figure out is how many actual gunmen there were. They think now, this is a report coming out of a news outlet out of Kansas City, that this it all started really at the end of the parade and at the back of the crowd. These bullets start to fly. People are frantic to get now, out of the Now, when you say the end of the parade, the players had finished speaking. That's right. But as far as I know, nobody went home yet. No, but it had just almost exactly when it ended is when the bullets started to fly. So they had had that celebration on stage. That's usually they do the parade. They have the big celebration on stage. Essentially, it had ended. The bullets start to fly. People don't know what's going on. You, I've seen video of it, people racing away from the scene, uh, shoving people to get out of the way of the gunfire. And what they think now was that it might have been just a fight between two men at the back of the parade, and they both had guns. It's a right-to-carry state, and they started firing at each other. And that may be all it is. I mean, we're waiting for more details, but that's what a Kansas City news outlet is reporting this morning, that it's all from a fight between two guys in the back of the parade. You know, you say a fight between two guys, and CNN did show some video this morning of Good Samaritans, people in the crowd chasing down one of the shooters literally knocking the shooter to the ground and grabbing the gun. That is some very courageous people in Kansas City. You're saying two people, but as far as I know, and maybe this was inaccurate or it's changed, aren't there three people in custody? There are three people in custody, but you know, we know with all these scenes, it's always really fluid. The numbers are fluid in terms of how many injured, how many dead, and then same with, you know, with the arrest. So it could be they made three arrests and maybe just two of these people will be people they held on to, or there may be more to the story that we just don't know yet. But you're right about that. There was this one guy who raced in and shoved one of the gunmen to the ground, and then his wife yanked the gun out of the guy's hand. Wow. That is unreal. Do we know if the gunmen were, and I do care about this, white, black, we know it wasn't a terrorist attack, okay? These are two guys having some type of issue. They break out their guns. They start shooting. They don't care about the human life in and around them. Not a terrorist attack. Do we know if they're white or black? Because some uh, somebody sent me a tweet where somebody said the shooters were described as dark white people. Hmm, okay. I, you dark know white people. Then I look at the video this morning. They look black to me. Right. Uh I don't know. Uh, so uh, that's the, you know, I can find out very quickly for you, but I don't know right now. We don't know right now. Okay. Know. But we, we, we know this. It was not a terrorist attack. No. A couple of morons got into a fight. That's opened the fire with a huge crowd. And the, uh, the young lady that was murdered, I believe, a radio DJ at KMMO. Is that the right station in uh, Kansas City? Yes, yeah, DJ Lisa Lopez Galvin. Uh, just awful. Longtime, lifetime Chiefs fan. She was there to celebrate the Chiefs win, mother of two. Right. And she took a bullet to the abdomen. They raced her to the hospital, but uh, she did not survive. I think she was about 45 years old, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah a uh, young yeah, woman. Yeah. Well, that's a heck of a Valentine's Day for that poor lady, huh? <laughs> Jeez. Talking about Valentine's Day, did you see this picture in the paper, Lou, and um, maybe not in the paper, but it was somewhere online, Lou and Gnome. How about this? Huma Aberdeen, you know her? She was married to Anthony Weiner, who works at this station. She also, I believe, had an affair, not an affair, but was with Bradley Cooper at one point. She's Hillary Clinton's best friend. Huma Aberdeen and George Soros' son, Alex. I see it now. Reveal relationship in Valentine's Day photo from Paris. So Aberdeen and Soros's kid 
are together at a restaurant in Paris, and neither is denying that they are now an item. Aberdeen and Soros. I mean, it gets worse. Anthony <laughs> Anthony had his issues. I know he works at the station, and, you know, I see him and talk to him, but he certainly has his issues, but it's, it gets worse. What is up with this lady, Aberdeen? Soros' kid? This, by the way, on the heels of a story that I saw in the New York Post yesterday, that George Soros is looking to buy all these New York radio stations. I don't know if you know this, but the company that owns WFAN, 1010 Winds, CBS 880, major stations, the biggest, they're called Odyssey, and they are drowning. They are leaking money every day. They need cash in the worst way. And what I read yesterday was, in the Post, George Soros is going to try to buy those stations, if not buy those stations, because he wants to, uh, I guess, have the narrative leading up to the presidential election come November. George Soros may buy 1010 wins. Is that unbelievable, Noam? I think he, he's not actually buying them. He's going to be the largest stockholder. Right. So essentially, you know, he'll have the most say probably in what goes on in those stations. Well, that's the point. I mean, he may not own 100%, but if he decides to call Chris Olivero in the morning and say, hey, I want more Biden coverage than Trump coverage. Hey, I want this liberal person on the air. He's going to have the power to make those decisions. You would think so, yeah. That makes John Katzmatidis right now. Really important. I know John might have known about this before. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But if George Soros is going to come to New York and buy up all this major, major radio real estate and take this liberal town to the new level, you got to thank God for Katsimatidis that we've got a station like this. Because if you think the New York media is liberal now, if this story is true and Soros does, in fact, become the major stockholder, this station, me specifically, become more important than ever. Yes? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, because then you're talking about a voice of a number of stations going maybe far to the left, if depending on how much he gets involved with those radio stations. And then a station that kind of tells you like it is right here being... Uh, we're all alone, right? <laughs> yeah. Unless Soros tries to buy this. I think Kat spent about $13 million. If Soros goes, hey, John, I'll give you $30 million. I don't know. It'll, I, be, John Joe, loves it'll radio, be Joe though. Scarborough doing mornings in a week. Retirement <laughs> <laughs> mm. looks good now. Well, <laughs> we, we already worked with him once. I don't want to work with him again. I, know, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to move to Florida or Texas to get a job in radio promoting Republicans because they, uh, they're not having it, folks. They are not having it. All right, big show coming your way. Jennifer Harrison's going to be here. Victims' rights in New York. Curtis Sliwa, Alex Trayman. We've got news on Israel. Once again, Joe Biden showing he's not pro-Israel. He's a backstabbing son of a bitch. But I'll get to that story with Noam Layden coming up. We'll talk to uh, Vicky Palladino, Bill O'Reilly, and maybe the new RNC chair happens to be the daughter-in-law of Donald Trump, my dear friend, Lara Trump. It's a huge guest list. It's a big show. It's a Thursday morning on Sid and Friends in the Morning. And it's only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Joe Cairo, the chairman of Nassau County, is squarely to blame for this because it was his ambition to get me ousted that caused it. And I think he should resign for costing us a seat. in Gaza, aren't you? Which I wouldn't describe the Gazan tunnels as the tunnels of love. But here's some Bruce juice for you. Tunnel of love. That was also that cut you heard at the very start of this segment was, I almost called him George Lopez, George Santos. And that was from this show yesterday. As far as I know, we're the only show that had George Santos on yesterday. But, of course, the local press never wants to give me any any credit. So it really it pains them to put Sid Rosenberg, even the New York Post. I mean, John pays for these weekly advertisements. And, yes, Dory Lewak did a great story on me and my trip to Israel last week. But... It pains them, all these local papers, to put my name in there. Why they wouldn't, I have no idea. Santos, that was a big deal yesterday. <laughs> he lashed out at Joe Cairo. He lashed out at everybody else. And talking about uh, Santos, the uh, there were new bribery allegations about Bob Menendez 
in New Jersey. Isn't that right, Noam? Yeah, we're seeing from prosecutors releasing some more information. You'll, you'll remember last week, Menendez took to the Senate floor, maybe it was two weeks ago, and he said, the Justice Department has been weaponized against me because I'm not lockstep with Joe Biden. So now we're getting more details of this bribery scandal. You know, there was those gold bars that were found in their house. And uh, the Menendez's were saying those gold bars were left to them by Nadine Menendez's wife's mother when she passed away. So in these new documents from prosecutors, they tie the serial numbers on those gold bars to this man who allegedly gave it to them in return for some favors. So a bribe. And all those jackets in his closet. Yes. And then stuffed with a half a million dollars in cash. They had there was two bags they found in his closet that each had a hundred hundred thousand dollars in cash in them and then there was tens of thousands of dollars in jacket pockets suit pockets hidden all over the house i think he's got more money than george soros yeah (laughs) you know talking about george soros i mentioned john katsimatidi's last segment and the story in the post yesterday george soros's son alex it turns out is banging wiener's ex-wife huma aberdeen but uh, soros uh is looking to buy all these powerhouse New York radio stations, some of them our competitors, 1010 Winds, CBS 880, FAN, all these Odyssey stations. So if you're Chad Lopez, my guy Chad, and I say this all the time, and it means nothing. It's not like I'm going to get a new contract today. I mean it. I say it because I mean it. I think Chad Lopez is the best radio executive in the country. I do. And I love Chris Olivero, too. He knows that. But Chad is tremendous, and he's done a great job at this station. But now he he may have to uh, program against George Soros. How about that for a Thursday morning? No. <laughs> <laughs> Chad must be going crazy right now. Before it was against Clear Channel or Odyssey or any one of these bleeding major radio networks. Now it's Soros. Well, and that is a tough fight. The upside is, is that he clearly thinks there's a reason to invest in radio. You know, everybody's always bashing radio that we're going to be non-existent soon. And here, this guy who's one of the wealthiest people in the world wants to invest. So yeah. that, that's the upside, I guess. I guess. I mean, the other thing is a lot of those stations, though, have FM signals. So the, 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 the bigger question is not if radio will survive. Will AM radio survive? Don't forget FAN 1010 wins. They now have FM signals. That's true. Which we need, and we're going to get it. I'm sure we are. Uh, I do want to ask you about Biden, though. You heard the report in the open I played earlier, and now Fox is even talking about this. Framework is in place for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. We're talking about Biden, a six-week pause where all the hostages get released and they start to build their way towards a Palestinian state. Now, we're going to talk to Alex Trayman. You may remember I used Alex's studios, JNS Studios in Jerusalem, the four days I did those live shows from Israel. And I think he represents the majority, the overwhelming majority of Israelis who want no part of that. They don't want that. Bibi doesn't want that. Israelis don't want that. American Jews like me don't want that. But Biden wants it. He was with King Abdullah yesterday. Anthony Blinken wants it. He was with Abbas in Ramallah last week. So the United States continues to push this two-state solution, which Jews, for the most part, don't want. And on top of that, once again, 
Biden telling Bibi yesterday, calm down. Joe Biden telling Bibi Netanyahu how to fight his war, his war in his country where his people died. I got a big issue with that. Well, the deal is that they've been negotiating this in Cairo, Sid. And they want, as part of this Gaza ceasefire, to have talks about creating a Palestinian state. And in return, Israel would get anybody of the hostages that are left uh, and and the bodies of the ones who have not survived. And they want to do this, a six-week pause in the fighting, on or about the time that Ramadan begins, which is March 10th. So... um, uh, by the way, I will say Bibi Netanyahu has responded to this. He says this deal is terrible. Terrible. And uh, there's no chance it's going to happen. Thank you. And I will give you one piece of good news that's happened in the last 48 hours or so. Israel took out at least, uh, I think it's a dozen fighters. All were connected in the initial massacre that took place on October 7th. They murdered all of them. That's good news. So one of the things that we discussed a lot in Israel with people on the ground, I'm talking about civilians, me and Justin, was this looming possibility, if not probability, of a brutal war in the north. Again, we've got Hamas in the south. We've got fighting in Judea and Samaria in a place like Janine. But the possibility of a Hezbollah war in the north, which has really started already. They've been firing at each other since October the 7th. But on a larger scale, they've got over 150,000 high-powered rockets, five times as strong as any Hamas rocket, and much more precise in terms of pinpoint accuracy when they shoot it. And there's a lot of them. And the fear is is that if Hezbollah starts firing these massive rockets in big numbers at Israel, the Iron Dome, anything Israel has to, to protect them will not be able to handle all of that. And that could really mean, not to get too dramatic, could really mean the end of Israel. And it looks to me, Noam, like we're getting closer and closer to a real war in the north. Yeah, well, there was a missile attack even just yesterday, and there was injuries involved on the Israeli side. Uh, Israel went back and tried to punish these Hezbollah fighters. But you're absolutely right. They're way more sophisticated than the Palestinians are in Gaza and have the firepower and the backing of Iran to really do some damage in Israel if they're able to fire off those missiles. All right, thank you, Noam. Jennifer Harrison, Curtis Sliwa, Alex Trayman, Vicky Palladino, Bill O'Reilly, and Lara Trump. That is an amazing guest list. We also got traffic with my guy Joe Nolan coming up next. But right now it is time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable. That's my guy John Katzmatidis. That is a great show. That's where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story. Comes your way every Sunday morning starting at 8. Or listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. I keep telling you folks, even if you listen to the show in the car on the way to work, when you get into your office... Keep listening. All you got to do is download the 77 WABC app. It's free. It's a great app. How many people, Justin, in Israel, when we were there, downloaded the app and listened to us every day? Yeah, every day. I mean, that's how they listen over there. If you're in Israel, you can't, you don't, you're not getting our AM right. signal. So. Same thing in South Florida, right. where I'm heading in a couple of weeks. We've got huge listenership in South Florida. Folks, oh, yeah. just download the 77 WABC app. It's free. It's a great app. Today's minicast is from Katz and Cosby. Here, John and Rita talk with my buddy here, Tom Homan.
It is scary, and you and I have talked about this is the biggest national security failure this country's seen since 9-11. And, and people say, well, you know, they're border patrol arrests and they're vetting them. People need to understand, when they say they're vetting them, the vetting is only as good as the information we have access to. Now, you think does anybody think China is going to share any national security information with us? Seriously. So when we check database, we'll check NCIC, III, we'll check some DOD databases. But most terrorists in this world, we have no idea who they are. This is Sid on Sports. Oh Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built of boilers. Uh, you did hear uh, previously from Noam and Sid about uh, that horrible situation, that horrific and deadly situation at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade uh, yesterday. One person dead and 21 others wounded by gunfire in a mass shooting at the end of the Chiefs Super Bowl parade yesterday, according to authorities. Three people have been detained and are under investigation. Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves said during a news conference last evening. To local sports now, the Knicks lost 118-100 to to the Magic in Orlando last night. Jalen Brunson had 33 points and 6 assists for the Knicks. But after a big first quarter, the Knicks' healthy all-star saw that his team was overmatched in a fourth straight loss. The Knicks take a 33-22 and record into their eight-day all-star break in Boston. The Nets got absolutely trounced by the Celtics. Final score, 136-86. to Trendon Watford had 15 points for the Nets, who lost by franchise worst 52 points at Houston on October 18th. 1978. There were two points off that mark last night as the 50-point loss was their worst since moving to Brooklyn in 2012. You can't lose by 50 points. No, not, not in the NBA. I mean, 50 <laughs> points? Yeah, not in the NBA. I Is mean, it? the Celtics are really, you know, it's, it's literally big. Celtics be best are the best team in the conference, right. but 50 points? Worst, yeah, but I mean, that's bad. Well, the Nets are bad. Right. They're 22 and 33. Yeah. And uh, they really, I guess, outside of Bridges, Thomas, maybe Johnson, they've got nobody. Right. What happened to that team? I don't know. But the, Didn't they just have, like, Durant and yeah, Harden they did. Ben Simmons? Well, they still have uh, Simmons. And he we have, never played. Well, he, yeah, he averages about uh, eight minutes on the court and, yeah. you know, six or seven points. So as Warner would have said, the great Warner Wolf, when did he die? <laughs> oh, he's still alive. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you had the Nets and 49 and a half last night, you lost. <laughs> the best was head coach Jacques Vaughn saying, yeah, well, I guess I'll show you. We got a little bit of work to do. <laughs> In the NHL, two local games to look forward to tonight. At the Garden, the Rangers will suit up for a 7 p.m. puck drop against the Montreal Canadiens, while the Devils simultaneously get going at home against the visiting L.A. Kings. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Show. Anytime Louis plays the Pet Shop Boys, this is the Pet Shop Boys, right? 
I'm going to happen to like this song, Lou Rufino, Pet Shop Boys at 649. You know, that uh, that Kobe Bryant statue, and again, there's going to be three of them. I believe he becomes the seventh Los Angeles Laker to have a statue put outside the arena. I know they've got Magic, Jerry West, Kareem, even their uh, former Hall of Fame announcer, Chick Hearn. They have Elgin Baylor? They should if they don't. I don't think they do. They don't, huh? So who am I missing? There's like seven. Wilt? Oh, uh, Wilt is going to be there, yeah. yeah. Well, I keep telling Chad they should put a statue of me outside this building. Uh, Kareem. I mentioned he Kareem. Said, oh, you did? Oh, they yeah. do have Elgin Baylor. They do have Elgin. Yeah, yeah you got to have Elgin. Yeah. Best power forward ever. Sure. Got to have Wilt. Well, him and Malone, of course. So. 20,000 women? 22,000. Don't, oh, don't, 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 don't cheat him out of 2,000 women. Where those other yeah. two go? Well, yeah. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> Got old Wilt there. Yeah, I could see announcing that, too, right? <laughs> the, um, Jennifer Harrison has the Victims' Rights New York. You know Jennifer's story. Many, many years ago, as a uh, Shirley Long Island resident, her boyfriend was tragically murdered, and now Jen spends her days and nights out there trying to help victims who are not getting the help they need, whether it's former governors like Andrew Cuomo, current governor Kathy Hochul, this uh, creep Manhattan DA, real creep, Alvin Bragg, Letitia James, your other local DAs, whatever it is. Jen spends her days and nights exposing all the people, guys like Stuart Cousins and Heasty up in Albany, even the mayor here. The people that don't put the bad people away, you're going to hear about it from Jen. So let's get to Jen Harrison uh, right away this morning. Jen, good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm a little sad at what happened yesterday. I think we all are and that this is where we are as a society and as a country that you can't even go to a parade and celebrate yeah. the Super Bowl champions anymore. Well, the problem with that becomes, you know, the psychos on the left who want to abolish the Second Amendment and as soon as there's a gunshot anywhere, all they talk about is gun control, gun laws, remove the guns. All that's great. All that, don't get me wrong, it's great. But how many times are we going to have the same conversation? The strictest gun laws in the country are New York and Chicago, the most shootings. So it's not just about that. It's about crazy, criminal, wild people who have no appreciation for human life opening fire in a crowd. It's not about the gun. How do you feel about what happened yesterday in terms of the broader scheme? Well, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because you know that all the anti-gun advocates are, are going to, you know, that's, they're screaming from the rooftops that we need more gun legislation. But notice we, we don't have any information on the shooters yet. And my guess is because they have records and they never should have been on the streets or they're juvenile offenders that should have been, you know, received some kind of intervention and were just allowed to run around and commit whatever crimes they wanted to commit with no consequences whatsoever. So um, I'm interested to find out, you know, when that information will come out and when the American people will be able to learn the truth that it was probably because of failed policy, just like we're seeing in New York. You know, you mentioned all the merry band of idiots here, but the fact of the matter is that these soft on crime policies are being implemented across the country, and we saw the impact of that yesterday. Yeah, you uh, sent me a text, and you talked about these soft on crime policies. You also talked about a broken education system. 
lack of opportunity. The only one that benefits from these reforms and programs are overpaid NGO executives while suffering increases at their hands. So, yeah, you talked about, and you talk about often on my show and other shows, the soft on crime policy. But uh, that is just one of the aspects of our everyday society that is being roughed up because of these folks. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what's going on here in New York and all of the gang violence that we see. You know, we saw, we had a mass shooting in the Bronx just the other day. And, you know, that wasn't the typical mass shooting that everybody thinks that they see on TV where, you know, some white crazy kid walked in with an AR-15 and shot it up. No, these these were probably youthful offenders, gang members that have been in the system that don't know how to read because our education system is failing them. But let me ask you this, like how is releasing violent criminals like Kathy Hochul and Alvin Bragg and everyone else in New York State that you mentioned does on a daily basis, how is that teaching these kids to read? How is that creating programs to help them keep them off of the streets? How is that creating an opportunity? How, why aren't we addressing the education system and, and the low level of literacy rates amongst children that are graduating school not knowing how to read in New York? How are they ever supposed to survive? And why are our kids bringing knives to school and stabbing each other? Why do they feel when they go to school that it's a kill or be killed environment? And why are we not addressing these issues instead of releasing murderers and rapists from prison? This is uh, Jennifer Harrison, uh, Victims' Rights here in New York. So I spent the first 20-plus minutes, uh, not the whole 20-plus minutes, but uh, some of it talking about this story in yesterday's New York Post where Hungarian billionaire, maybe trillionaire, I don't know, George Soros is interested in buying all these landmark mega New York radio stations because he wants to go out there and, and um, you know, pound uh, his uh, his feelings on the election coming up in November. You recently wrote an op-ed for Newsmax where you talked about George Soros. Tell me about that. You know, th- this would be a complete travesty. And, you know, th- thank God we have John Cassier Bluff, who we know isn't going to sell out and will and will help get the truth out and an anti-Soros me- message and let people know what's really happening. But really, you know, people like George Soros and John Arnold are responsible for the destruction of our country. And, you know, Soros is extremely smart. He's infiltrated universities. Um, he, You know, he's created programs through his funding that actually hired the late Kathy Boudin, who was a domestic terrorist, as the head of social work at Columbia University. He's in, well, infiltrated universities and already indoctrinated an entire generation of young minds with a depraved indifference towards human life. These are, you know, the Alvin Braggs, the people that are going to become district attorneys or legislators or judges. Um, so it's, it's really scary. And now, now he's going to infiltrate the media. And, you know, John Arnold is actually inf- infiltrating the Republican Party by hiring Republican and conservative lobbyists to kind of as, as moles, I guess. Um, it's very scary times that we live in, and we just really need people like you and John Katz you know, thank God for you guys to, um, you know, stay stay true to what you're doing and get the truth out there. Jen, let's uh, end this great conversation on a positive note. Uh, my friend Anthony over at All Flags, he has come in. 
American flags. He's made a couple for me and John. One flag I've got at home, half American flag, half Israeli flag. He is a great man. I actually saw him at that big night at Cipriani's when I was hanging out with Donald Trump. He's become a pretty good friend. And you've got a story about all flags getting involved and a little boy with cancer who plays football with your son getting the chance to play and smile for the first time in a long time. Tell us that story. Oh, I hope I can get through this without crying. But, yeah, um, it, it came, so my son's friend, who he plays football with, um, got injured. It was a football injury. And what what, what should have been, a, like, a pretty traumatic experience instead, of, you know, horrible experience and a foot, bad in football injury actually turned out to be a miracle because – Due to this injury not healing properly, his doctors found out that he had um, pretty bad metastatic bone cancer. But they found it because of this injury early enough where they'll they'll be able to treat it and give him a fighting chance. So it came to my attention that um, he wanted a football save my life sign. I thought of your friend, who I've heard many times on the radio, thanks to you, um, and reached out to him. He didn't even ask. It didn't even skip a beat. Just said, okay, what do you want? I'll get it to you as soon as I possibly can. One of the coaches, after it was done, had a guy that lived in Staten Island that picked it up and brought it out to Long Island. We gave it to Bentley over the weekend, and now he has this beautiful sign. And um, I, I just want to say, said, you know, everybody says that you're the king of the Jews now, right? Which I'm, I'm so amazingly <laughs> proud of you for everything that you're doing with that. But you know, you're really the king of the everyday people, like like me, like Bentley's family, and and the amount of people that you bring together, and the things that you make happen, even when you're not even really trying to make them happen is just such a beautiful thing um, through this show and and the message that you get out there and the fact that you let everyday people like me come on and tell our truth is just an amazing thing and I'm, I'm so proud of you and I'm, I'm so honored to be your friend and thank you for everything that you do. Well, I love you. I mean, you're worried about you crying. You just make me cry. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And uh, Anthony's a terrific guy, and all flags are great. I'm happy for a uh, little Bentley over there. And you can go see the sign right now on my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney. That's at Rosenberg.Sydney. And any friend of my friend Jennifer Harrison is a friend of mine. So thank you for all those kind words. But truth be told, it all applies to you, too. And you do a great job getting the truth out there. And you become a dear, dear friend. And I love you. And thank you for coming on this morning. Terrific job. Uh, thank you. If I could just one more thing um, real quick, if everybody could also go to contractorsforkids.org. It's an amazing organization that helps out families that have sick children. They'll pay mortgage payments. They'll pay electric bills. You know, they'll help with whatever way that they can, whether it's little or 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 big. And, um, you know, God forbid these kids don't make it. They also help with funeral expenses. So contractors for kids. Contractors for kids. Jen Harrison, great job, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. All right, there's my friend Jen, still to come this morning. Curtis Slee, while we go back live to Jerusalem, JNS Studios, where we broadcasted from a couple of weeks ago before days. Alex Trayman, Vicky Palladino, Bill O'Reilly, and Lara Trump. Oh, it's an all-star lineup on a Thursday morning with me, Sid, our number two, coming at you.
Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Special, hold on loosely. Great hour number one, Jennifer Harrison, with some very, very kind words. So I went to the gym yesterday, which I do often. That's why I have a beautiful body. (laughs) Saw my good friend Sean Cerrone at Burn Fitness, and I was leaving the gym, and a friend of mine walked in, who I believe is going to be mentioned at least once in this upcoming segment with Curtis. Happens to be a very, very good friend of mine who lives about eight blocks away and a very high-powered, respected attorney. No, it's not Joe Tacopina. No, it's not Arthur Idala. No, it's not Jose Baez or Danielle Rosenberg. It is Joe Murray. But before we get to that with my man Curtis, who gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon, the Rip and Read overnight weekends, and is uh, for a lot of people, the highlight here with me every weekday morning. I went to uh, Club ZZ for dinner a couple nights ago. Very, very posh, upscale place. Happens to be the club for the very popular restaurant, Italian restaurant, Carbone. It was a great deal, great. Now, we go once a month, me, Keith Kantrowitz, Michael Kemper, uh, Governor David Patterson, Mark Oranger, all these guys are good friends of mine. And Eleanor Strugo and all of her friends that are about to start this really cool Netflix special about uh, real estate women in New York. It's going to be great. And the mayor showed up, Eric Adams. So I put a picture up yesterday on my Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney at the table of me, my buddy Keith Kantrowitz, and the mayor. And I was expecting at some point Curtis to send me some message like, take that picture down. What are you doing hanging out with the mayor? Blah, blah, blah. But no, no. Not only did Curtis not send that, but it's come to my attention that to start this segment this morning, Curtis wants to give praise 
to my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams. Is that possibly true? May be the only time. But it was for a very good event, sponsored by Eric Adams' administration, promoted by a gentleman you and I know, well-known, Todd Shapiro, right at the Empire Steakhouse, where I had my victory party after I won the primary as Republican candidate against Fernando Mateo, and my loser's party when I lost to Eric Adams. So they had invited in 100 couples who were married over 50 years. 50? Yeah, 50 years. And I noticed who went for WABC, Noam Layden. And I said, wait, Noam, I should have been invited because my combined marriages together (laughs) equals over 50 50 (laughs) years, right? Seven different women. Right, but but I'm saying, am I right or wrong? (laughs) You're right about that. And I'm saying to myself, (laughs) and Noam is there. But forget that for a second. How long is Noam married? I'm just curious. Noam, how long uh, are you married? I've got him beat, I think. 23 years. Oh, I got you beat. Yeah, but that's only halfway to 50. All of my marriages together give me more than 50 years of marriage. I think John and Margot are married. Yes. Oh, my right? God. What a what a fabulous couple. Yes. Well, put that aside. I've got, I've got 31, by the way. I'll be married 32 years to Danielle coming up in June. But, yes, put that aside. What's yeah, the point? Yesterday, as you know, was our 45th anniversary of the Guardian Angels, and we were up in the Bronx trying to help the cops catch those three thugs, those gangbangers who are still loose, right on the number four train, which is where I started. A guy comes up to me, he goes, hey, you know, Eric Adams wrote an editorial about you a long time ago when he was running for office, said he was a transit cop, and right the top paragraph says, you know, when I was first shaping up and getting the orders from the sergeant, they told us, you go out there, you harass those guardian angels in the Red Berets. And he said, I and the graduating class from the academy said, no, we're not going to do that. Wow. We, when, when I say we come full circle, and this might be my last roundup, you look at me and you say, what? <laughs> I, mean, I can't believe this. That's his own op-ed that was in the Daily News. This is before we clashed, you know. In the general election. Did you know about this? That no. existed? No. You had no idea? No idea. Yeah. So anyway, that's number one. Number By the way, I also like what Eric Adams did yesterday. He's suing TikTok, Snapchat, and all these social media sites that are destroying our young generation. Kind of like that. Right. No? Look, look, it's it's props time, okay? One day. <laughs> one day for the year. <laughs> tomorrow, we, tomorrow you hate his guts. Tomorrow he's the worst mayor in the world, the, the, the migrants, all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, don't but get today. me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> but no, that was an excellent event. All I just right. wish I would have been invited. I would have been the only one there. <laughs> combined marriages <laughs> over 50 years. But you weren't working. And, in fact, uh, talking about combined marriages, your beautiful wife, Nancy, yes. was here with you for hours yesterday. Yes. And uh, not only to be on the Rip and Read that she joins me uh, twice a week uh, because she does a deep dive on issues. But my phone was blowing up. Yesterday was our anniversary. It was? Yes. Meaning, not of me and Nancy, but the anniversary of the Guardian Angels, oh, right. 45 years. 45. You know, people calling from around the world offering, because we're in 13 countries, 130 cities. We That's have 5,000 awesome. members. It was my most valued local members of the Guardian Angels, real heroes, telling me that the Internal Affairs Bureau of the City of New York was reaching out to them coming to their jobs, their homes, they wanted to talk to them. Now, in the past, when you wanted to talk to guardian angels, you knew you could call Curtis Lee. We're friends with the cops. I have former guardian angels who are police, high-ranking police right now. I know commissioners, deputy guy. 
You call Curtis Lee. They hit it as if, wow, like I haven't seen since the beginning days of the Guardian Angels when we were under harassment of Ed Koch and the police department. And I reached out to one man, powerful as he is, one of the most powerful attorneys in the city of New York, Joe Muir. And he immediately got on it. He called uh, Internal Affairs Bureau. He said, what are you doing? Internal Affairs investigates police, people who work with the police or the police department, maybe people who pretend to be police. Why are you going to the Guardian Angels? Now, does this uh, go back to the story in Times Square? I'm sure. Okay. But still. No, it's no good. You have detectives from Midtown South. They would come. Hey, I get it, guys. They hit us hard. Very pleasing, pleasant, polite. Uh, Our members said, please, please, you know, I'm at my place of business. And so they gave him a card. Please, we'd like to talk to you. No problem. Very pleasant, very polite. I'm sure they didn't want to do this. And so Joe reached out in the middle. He's in court. He's in federal court. He's doing a million things. He reaches out. They say, look, uh, they told Joe this came from up high. We're just doing our job. Okay. Joe took care of it. He is our guardian angel. Oh, Joe Murray. And, and of course, again, I saw him at the gym last night. I was leaving. He was first coming in. He said he may see you later down by Little yeah. Italy. Yeah, it? we have to. This this is unprecedented. In, yeah. in, in my 45 years, I've never heard of anything like this. But meantime, what did I say to you when I read the article in the New York Post? Great article. If you haven't read it about Sid's uh, trip, Aliyah, to Israel, although he decided not to stay. Shucks, I could have been doing the morning show. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, by the uh, way, if I wasn't married with children... I'd be living in Tel Aviv right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, and you'd be going to those nightclubs oh, uh, yeah. that I went to oh, when yeah. I was there. Oh, my God. And I, and I actually think if they allowed me to do my radio show in Israel, I would be a bigger star than I am here. There's no doubt, but I would make sure that there were technological problems in receiving <laughs> the signal and I'd have to jump in. But anyway, so the, the headline, great. If you haven't seen, you got to. Sid Rosenberg has gone from Canarsie to the kibbutz. Right. Didn't I tell you the other day, my whole life is now full circle? Yeah. Canarsie. Out of all the places you were, a booker boy at the school in Canarsie, of course, from Bayview Projects to Yeshiva. You know where Joe Murray is from? Canarsie. Canarsie. Of course. A great baseball player for the Canarsie Chiefs High School. He was the top roller disco guy throughout the United States. He was in films. This guy had it all. And yet, he's represented some of my enemies. Yes, as he you has. Know. I mean, one guy in particular. Right. That is really your enemy. Right. But he's a criminal <laughs> defense attorney. They right. go for the best. That's his job. And yet, he dropped everything for us yesterday. Uh, Nancy looked at me and said, oh, my God. He's a good man. Oh, my God. And look, and I've been out there the last couple of years to his house in the Ponset, Rockaway where he puts on this extravaganza, which last weeks, you went out this year. I was there for the children. The foster children. Who have no families for the foster children. What a special. And he does it for like a week. A week and a half, and he raises money for juvenile diabetes, for autism. He did say next year he would help out me, Danielle, and Gabriel with dyspraxia. He's a very, very good soul. He's a good man. None of this surprises me. No, no. But that was above and beyond. No, that was very nice. Nancy is an attorney. She goes, you realize what this guy did for you? Yeah. He dropped everything, yeah. dealt with internal affairs. They backed off. Again, I don't think they really wanted to do this. We'll get down to the bottom. I'll report to you. And then, oh, Uh-oh. my God. Wait, before you go any further, though, yes. I did tell you this last night. You celebrated 45 years yes. of your guardian angels. That's right. We were up in the Bronx trying yeah. to help the cops catch those uh, three thugs 
those gangbangers who shot up that uh, train station, killing one, injuring five. And, you know, I'm going to put in a call today to Ray Kelly. He's been our biggest supporter. Oh, absolutely. Ray, Another great man. Ray Kelly. I'm going to ask Ray. Ray, in, in your entire life in the police department, he's the longest serving policeman. You ever remember the Internal Affairs never, Bureau? Never, 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 never. Stupid. Yeah. But he did it twice, by the way. But, uh, but, but the other, the other full circle. You're very. But dear what about friend. the number forty-five? Yes, number forty-five. Yeah, Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. Now you know Donald Trump and I. We have been, we've had a love-hate re- relationship for years. You know that going back to Citizen Trump receiving the Conservative uh, State Party of the Year award at the 69th Street Armory. When he was more liberal than me, his way back in the 80s, Cindy Adams was the hostess of that event. And we've, we've, at times we've been together, at times we battled one another, but it is amazing that it's Trump 45 and the Guardian Angel 45th <laughs> anniversary. I told you this last night. I know where you're going with this, Ed. Well, I'm just saying, I, I've seen people all of a sudden have this epiphany. People who, like you, over the years may have done some battle, but when they take a look at the uh, the city they're living in, at the state they're living in, oh, the country they're living in, God. and the 45 to me, it's kind of eerie, 45 years, guardian angels, Donald Trump, 45th president of the United States. If you can say today that Eric Adams did a good job yesterday, you can certainly vote for my friend Donald J. Trump. I'm very close. Oh, yes! Very close. Yes! Certainly you don't think I'm going to vote for Joe Biden! No! Uh, let me, anyway, let's get back on track, because another very dear friend of yours, Kevin Breslin. What a double mensch. You know, I've been suffering. Dr. Sidney Rosenberg was the only person to diagnose me with scabies. Three months ago, I did. <laughs> you gave me the right medication to take, uh, but nothing was working. I ended up with Norwegian scabies, the worst type, thousands and thousands of just rashes and bites. You've seen me. I've been in torture. And Kevin reached out to me because, remember, his father, Jimmy Breslin, the top columnist in the nation for the Daily News back when I started. Still is the best ever. Back then, ever. When, the, when the cops were opposed to us, they were grabbing me out of my headquarters in the Bronx, taking me to lock me up for things I didn't even do. Jimmy Breslin wrote columns in support of us. He went on patrol with us. He came to our headquarters. He walked the streets with us. When he started writing about us, because he, I mean, there was nobody bigger than Jimmy Breslin. Nobody. nobody. Pulitzer Prize winning yeah. guy, street guy. Also wrote that great book about the Gallo brothers, the gang that couldn't shoot straight. They backed off. Everybody. Koch backed off. The cops backed off. It was great. I owe Kevin Breslin's father. God rest his soul, Jimmy Breslin. He was there for us when nobody else was. So Kevin's reached out to me. He said, you got to see Joel Casimir. Now, you became friends with Kevin, if I remember correctly, Jimmy's son, after you put on, and I was there, but it was really you. You were the star. Put on one of those uh, great rallies at Floyd Bennett Field this summer. And then after you were hungry, you were looking for a place to eat, so you went to my guy's place, John Mazzola, his son Joseph Lasorentinas, on 129th Street, oh, right there in, in uh, Bell Harbor. The place gave me a standing ovation. Right. The only problem was and everywhere. I think, Kevin, I think Kevin bought you dinner that night. Everywhere I looked <laughs> on the wall, your picture staring at me. <laughs> Yesterday in the cab, going home from the doctors with Nancy to celebrate Valentine's Day, although, you see, you don't realize why we have to abstain. While I said during Lent, I have to abstain. 
Yeah. I have scabies. Well, that's that's the main reason. So it's right? like, remember, Dick yeah. Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore, remember the old, <laughs> when they slept in separate beds, remember, that's the way it was on TV in the 50s and 60s. I can't sleep with her. Oh didn't you God. figure that out, Dr. Sidney Rose? No, I didn't. You're the one who diagnosed me, and you were right I with did. scabies. And I even said to Nancy yesterday, I said, just so you know, your husband told me this morning for Lent, he's giving up sex. I said, would you want him to give you a whole pass? She said, yes. <laughs> exactly. So we're in the cab going back for St. Valentine's Day. We're in the cab, and we're watching the video in the cab. That's right. And the real estate girl... She's on this. She has her video. Suzanne, Suzanne Miller. Miller. Yeah. And who did she, who's she interviewing? You. Oh my God. You can't get away from I me. I can't escape <laughs> you. Wherever I go, the luncheonette right near our, our, our WABC studios, I'm having lunch with Nancy after a series of meetings. Who's staring at me from the back of the wall? You, when you were Grand Marshal of the Salute to Israel Day Parade yeah. with your sash on and your flag. <laughs> But let me tell you something about Dr. Kashmir. He is one of the best dermatologists in the world. People wait six months to see him. Kevin got me an appointment the last of the day. He spent two hours on me, him and his associate. They worked me. I I feel so good today. It's just oh, one really? day of treatment. First, I haven't scratched. One day of treatment, you already feel a oh, lot better. He That's went great. He went to work on me. That's oh, great. My God. But he said, I said, you know, my original diagnosis was by Dr. Sidney Roosevelt. He goes, <clears throat> I haven't heard of him, but he was spot on. You have scabies. <laughs> Look at it. These are the Norwegian scabies. They, they have all kinds of I never of heard of Latin Norwegian names. scabies. But yeah. you were right. But yeah, I was. Yes, you were right. I know everything. And now, let, uh -oh. me, let me get to the most serious issue, because you and Noam, you missed this story about George Soros. Oh, this is a very, if you don't know the story in the New York Post yesterday, George Soros, who spends billions of his dollars trying to destroy this country. I mean, paying for pro-Palestinians to mob the streets, paying for BLM supporters to mob the streets, paying for elections to make sure liberals and progressives and Democrats win. He really has become the number one public enemy in this country. And now, yesterday's New York Post says that he wants to buy up all these major Odyssey stations in New York. That includes 1010 Wins, 880 CBS, even WFAN, Chris Olivero stations, in an effort to push forward his agenda for the November election. You missed the reason he's doing that. Take you back a year into your old neck of the woods, Florida. Okay. Remember he bought up 18 Spanish-language stations, yeah. including the most conservative in the nation, Radio Mambi? Yeah, that's true. Completely changed the format. Yeah. They know, according to the analytics, I know that those that listen to radio news talk vote in greater numbers than all others because they're actively engaged. So he knows if you're listening to news all day or you're listening to talk like WABC, the number one station in the nation, on this, the number one show in the morning in the nation, or overnight when we're number one in the world, 172 countries. The only thing we're missing is Antarctica, and John Katsimatidis <laughs> is working on that. Yeah. We influence people. They know that. It's not TV. It's not magazines. It's not newspapers. The Soros combine of George... And if ever he drops dead, it's his son Alex, yeah. will obviously attempt to garner the vote 
yeah. towards whoever is a liberal, progressive, socialist, Democrat. Correct. And he, he is using this strategy. Our only hope to stem this is John and Margot Katzman. I said that this morning. Billionaire versus right. billionaire. John, who stands up at the end of his show, right? At the end of the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, he says, what do we stand for? Peace, justice, the American way, right? Something like that. You were close. Democracy. I, I think it's truth, justice, justice. and the American right dream. Right Superman, but... right? <laughs> yeah. But the fact is, yeah. is that he puts all of his money, all I know. of his, his equity into this thing of ours, which is the blowtorch for freedom, for democracy, and for people who have conservative values, Republican values, and want to save America. This is a war. George Soros is invading our area. You're wondering, why would he invest in a losing business? This is the business of altering the vote. This is the business of influencing people who are actively engaged. Radio listeners, survey after survey, analytics after analytics. You, the WABC listeners, are the most actively engaged of any voters. George Soros knows that. He'll never get WABC from John Katzmatidis. You would have to pry it out of his cold, dead hands. But this is a war. See you lead, and we follow here at WABC. We must beat the Soros menace. It means more crime, more anarchy, more migrants, and the end of the USA as we know it today. This is our mission, Sid. You lead, and we will follow. accident trust gabo law personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time gabo law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you but don't take our word for it read their five-star reviews from former clients on google avo and facebook call gabo law today 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. That it's been three months. Does it feel any more real now than it did at the start? Yes, uh, for sure. You know, and uh, it's exciting. Because uh, to be able to put in a big league uniform, uh, as a manager for the first time and to do it for this organization, for the New York Mets, is, is such an honor and a privilege. And I'm really, really excited. You know, it was long three months, you know, but now day one and, uh, seeing some of the faces, uh, is really, really exciting.
Super Tramp logical song, and the voice you heard before that was the new Mets skipper, Carlos Mendoza. <laughs> I forgot they fired Buck Showalter after two years, and Mendoza is the new skipper, but both local baseball managers spoke yesterday. This is a radical departure from uh, cops getting beaten up in Times Square or shootings at a Kansas City Chafe Parade, or our next guest, Alex Trayman, moments away talking about Gaza and Lebanon. But baseball season's here. The Mets started spring training yesterday. And the Mets, don't forget, came in fourth place last year. Fourth. The only team in that division worse than the Mets was Washington. It was a really lousy year. Mets uh, finished the year at 75-87. and 87. 12 games under 500 in a year where they started the year with guys like Justin Verlander and good old Max in their starting rotation. And they got nobody, I mean nobody, outside of Luis Severino in the offseason. So Carlos Mendoza may be excited, but as a Met fan, not so much. Now, we played Boone earlier. The Yankees, Yankees are loaded. They they signed Soto, so you got to line up with Soto, Judge, and Stanton, assuming they all stay healthy with guys like D.J. LeMahieu and others. This could be a vicious, and I mean vicious, Yankee offense. Yeah, it's a strong assumption, though, that they're all going to stay healthy. Right, they got to stay healthy. I mean, Soto's. Yeah, but two of those three guys are very injury-prone. Yes, that is all true. Yankees, by the way, also came in fourth place last year. Only the Red Sox did worse. Yanks so better than the Mets. The Mets were 12 games under. The Yankees were two games over with a record of 82 and 80. Both teams start their spring training games on February the 24th. Mets are taking on the Cardinals. The Yankees are taking on the Tigers. And both teams start their regular season on March 28th. The uh, Mets will be hosting the Brewers, a four-game set. And the Yankees are in Houston. The Yankees' first seven games this year are on the road. Four-game set in Houston, three-game set in Arizona. Yankees' first home game this year, their eighth game of the season, Friday night, August, excuse me, April the 5th in the Bronx against Toronto. All right, we got uh, Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem coming up next. Joe Biden, that scumbag, he's at it again. We'll tell you why. Entertaining and informative. This is sit in friends in the morning 77 wabc all right i'm in gooch etzion that's the c that's the c over here it's tel aviv that's the c that you are talking about welcome that's the river over there past jordan is the river all right that's the river that's a sea from the river to the sea and on the high mountains First of all, you're not getting all this, you m- You think you're getting from the river to the sea? That's not happening. And this idea of two-state solution, if we give you this, you see what you're on top of? You think you give terrorists a view of Tel Aviv, a view of Jerusalem to shoot and f- at the people of Israel, it's not happening. There's no giving of rivers. There's no giving of you dumb Jews. Oh, baby! Attack to Michael Rappaport. He's in Israel right now, and 
We did a whole day in Gush Etzion, me, Justin, my family. Kafar Etzion, Gush Etzion. I talk about Judea and Samaria often now on this show, a place I never knew existed. That great barbecue that night with all those Israeli soldiers, they, uh, they were fighting in Janine for four months prior to that, right there in Judea and Samaria. So Rappaport is actually doing all the things we did. You know, I notice uh, all of a sudden all these uh, other celebrities, and Rappaport's got over 2 million followers. He's a little more famous than I am, I get it. But at least he's coming to his senses now, you know. Goes to Israel. He's there talking to hostage families. Now he's talking about voting for Donald Trump. So he's come to his senses. But they're all doing exactly what we did. There's even radio stations, I heard, that are calling Alex Trayman because they want to use his studios. Really? Swear to God. American stations? Yes. Wow. Well, let's find out right now. Here he is, a man that has become a dear friend to him. His whole family, Sippy and uh, his beautiful sons and daughters, MrJNS.org. It is the best place by a mile to find out what's going on in Israel every morning, folks. Go get it today. JNS.org is where you find it. Alex Trayman. And Alex, uh, you can confirm that uh, now other radio stations in New York, if they're hearing about me in New York, around the country, I should say, want to use your studios. Yes? Shit, that's right. But you were the first, and you'll always be the favorite. Ah, there we go, Alex. That's a perfect answer. Thank you. <laughs> we did love it, man. We, we miss it. We, uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, there was a lot of emotions, actually, that were going on during that week. Uh, there was some tension. There was some uh, patriotism. There was some sorrow. There was, some, And all you guys experience all those emotions every day. Every day, Alex, right? You know, this country has been living uh, October 7th for 130-something days running. Now it's up to 130-plus. Wow. So, you know, you were on last week, and I thought it was a fascinating conversation you were talking about. You know, Bibi Netanyahu, there is a fair number of Americans who don't know what's going on there daily, that don't like him, that think that he pushes too much, and they think he's definitely out. And you said last week, folks, slow down. Before you think Bibi is definitely out, slow down. Do you still feel that way this morning? I think so pressure that the United States puts on Israel uh, towards the creation of a Palestinian state, thinking that uh, a Palestinian state could be the outgrowth of the worst terror massacre in the history of Israel by the Palestinian people, and now new sanctions that the Biden administration is putting on uh, residents living in those areas that you were talking about, Judea and Samaria, uh, which are considered disputed under international law. The more pressure that the United States puts on Netanyahu, the more likely uh, that Israelis are going to stand behind their embattled prime minister. Very early on in our relationship, which has blossomed now, but very early on when you were just, you know, you guys, and I hate to say this, you were still counting the dead and doing all that. Uh, I went right to politics, and I'm sure a lot of you folks in Israel were uncomfortable with that, maybe even you. And, and right off the bat, I started blaming Biden, his relationship with Iran, all the things he's done over the years. And early on, you guys were really all too willing, in my opinion, to give Biden credit because of that stupid you know, press conference he did uh, seven or eight days later on Fox News, where he made up some bubble mindset about Golda Meir and said he was there for Israel. And I told you, Alex, I said, 
Be careful. This guy, not one administration, but two, has been in bed with Iran. You can't be both. You can't be pro-Israel and good with Iran. I think now you and others around Israel have come full circle and have come to the realization that especially today, even just today, again, putting more pressure on Netanyahu, calling Netanyahu an effing bad guy a couple of weeks ago, that Biden is not really a friend. Fair to say? Well, you know, this is it's complicated because the United States is uh, Israel's most important ally and most of its weapons, uh, you know, are come from the United States and Israel's reliant on that. Uh, Israel, the United States continues to be the number one superpower and it really needs the backing of the United States. So they're not going to be as confrontational as you are. Uh, and it's correct that uh, that it's been multiple administrations which have had bad policies towards Israel, which led to October 7th, which include the idea that the Palestinians should get a state on the tiny piece of property that Israel possesses, uh, and that uh, funding Iran would be a stabilizing factor. You know, both of those things really led to the breakdown, which caused October 7th. But the Israelis were hopeful that uh, on October 7th, that the Biden administration would realize uh, that Israel was their ally and they would jump to its support, and, and Israelis were, were looking for that. As this war is dragged on, I think we're starting to see uh, the real true colors uh, of the Biden administration come out. Uh, and I think now, <clears throat> sorry, that uh, many Israelis are not convinced that uh, the United States is the reliable ally that we hoped that they would have been in the beginning of the war. Yeah, no, listen, again, no surprise for me. I've been saying this since basically day two. I'm glad to see that other folks are starting to figure it out. Not not really. I mean, I wish that uh, America was in, you know, full in for BB and the Israelis. But, uh, and I'm not here to tell you, I told you so. When I say you, I don't mean you, Alex. I mean the Israeli people. But I did tell you so. And uh, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Let's take a short break because Joe Biden is not the only Democrat in this country saying horrible things, horrible, about Bibi Netanyahu. In fact, it was Alex Trayman who told me about this other very popular Democrat politician. We'll talk more about these Dems and what's going on in the North, which could be a huge, and I mean huge, tragedy for the people of Israel. Alex Trayman, JNS. He'll be right back. CEO of JNS, 
JNS.org, folks. That's the only way to get the real news out of Israel. That's it. So we're talking about Joe Biden. Alex, you made me aware this week of another very popular Democrat politician who jumped into bed mouthing Bibi Netanyahu. Now, this person has been very pro-Israel. I mean, I don't really like this person. In fact, I dislike this person. But she's been very pro-Israel up to this point. And my daughter said, Dad, you can still be pro-Israel and badmouth Netanyahu. She goes, do you love America, Dad? I go, yes, of course. She goes, well, you badmouth Biden all the time. I said, you know what, Ava? You got me. Anyway, the person I'm talking about is Hillary Clinton. What's going on there? Yeah, so Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, she she said in an NBC interview, I believe, that uh, Netanyahu is, is the problem. He's not trustworthy and he needs to go. Um, and, uh, so I, I think that she's, you know, likely speaking for many of the individuals that work in the administration, uh, but it's not new because, uh, Bill Clinton was very open that he tried as hard as he could in the early nineties to present, to prevent Netanyahu from becoming prime minister. He tried as hard as he could to get Netanyahu out after he was prime minister for three years and got him ultimately replaced by Ehud Barak. He sent his political consultants out to do that. And of course, Obama also famously did everything that he could to try to get Netanyahu out of office, including using State Department funds to set up an organization called V15 in 2015 to try to get Netanyahu replaced by uh, Isaac Herzog, who's currently Israel's president. You know, so there's nothing new under the sun here. Uh, Democrats have not liked Netanyahu for a long time, and that's probably because uh, Netanyahu doesn't think that the creation of a Palestinian state is a great idea and doesn't want to see uh, the United States give foreign aid uh, to Iran, which just gets used to build nuclear weapons and to fund proxies, which are creating a ring of fire around the Jewish state. He's a thousand percent right. So just last week, the secretary of state, that traitor Blinken, met with uh, Habas in Ramallah. Yesterday, Biden met with King Abdullah in Jordan. And the both of them are driving home, man, this Palestinian state, this two-state solution. It took Netanyahu, Alex, about five minutes to say, nope, ain't going to happen under my watch, which makes me love Netanyahu even more. I mean, I said it earlier. And I haven't talked to every Israeli on the ground, Alex, or every Jew here in America. But I have a feeling if you took a poll of all the Jews, all the Jews in Israel and America, in favor of a two-state solution, my feeling tells me it would be a pretty low percentage. Yes? Well, even when there was the prospects for peace, you know, it was a maybe 50-50 at best. Uh, proposition about whether Israelis thought there should be a Palestinian state. But the formula was simple. It was called land for peace. Israel didn't have a lot of land, but they would be willing to give up some of it for the creation of a Palestinian state if the Palestinians could deliver peace in return. Uh, And then in 2005, Israel actually moved out of the Gaza Strip in full. They took 8,500 civilians out of Gaza. They removed their entire military apparatus from the Gaza Strip. And the Gaza Strip was the it was the pilot project for the independent Palestinian entity. You know, now that you said that, brother, now that you said that, are Israelis now, I want you to move on and continue past 2005, but looking back to 2005, are Israelis, like, really upset with Sharon? Because he was the guy that, that did that back in 2005. Well, there was a lot of Israelis screaming up and down that this was uh, going to be a suicidal mistake. And, and all those that were saying that uh, were vindicated, unfortunately. They didn't want to be vindicated, but they were. You know, so the idea 
The idea that uh, now Judea and Samaria, which is commonly known as the West Bank, which which abuts Jerusalem, which abuts Ben-Gurion Airport, which abuts Tel Aviv, that this area would become a Palestinian state. Israelis are certain that if this would become a Palestinian state, that all of Judea and Samaria would turn into what Gaza was, which was a, a terror hellhole run by Hamas. And there's no Israelis that want to see that happen right now. Tell me about the north. There seems to be more and more fire. I mean, not long after Hamas invaded October the 7th, we started seeing Hezbollah get active once again through Iran, the proxy in Lebanon. And I did hear that Netanyahu again. Another reason why I love this guy. He said, I'll turn Beirut into Gaza overnight. And I loved hearing that. But on a serious note, the the possibility, the potential of an all-out war in the north while you're fighting in the south and still fighting in Judea and Samaria. I don't know. I don't know, Alex, how you guys will have the manpower, the firepower to fight in all these fronts. So tell me about the north and how close we are for a full-scale war. Well, Israel has been hoping to postpone dealing with the North for as long as possible. Uh, there's been regular skirmishes since October 8th uh, across the border, artillery, uh, drones, rockets being fired both ways. Uh, just in the last 24 hours, uh, 36 hours, there's been a uh, rocket attacks that have uh, struck inside Israeli territory from Hezbollah in the northern town of Kirashmona and in the town of Tzfat uh, with many, many injuries and civilian deaths. Uh, and Israel has returned fire going as deep as 10 miles into Lebanese territory uh, to try to take out some of Hezbollah's um, paramilitary infrastructure there, but this keeps uh, keeps getting hotter and hotter, and the chances of a diplomatic solution, which would push Hezbollah, you know, away from Israel's border, are are proving themselves to be to be an utter failure, and the, the chances of all out war between Israel and Hezbollah is is increasingly likely, and, mm. and it really could break out at any time. Oh my God! I mean, if you really think about it, there's. I know Biden keeps talking about it, and these stations here in the in this country are, are promoting this Palestinian peace plan coming up any any day now. But Netanyahu wants no part of that. You just mentioned up in the north, peace is unlikely. So, for anybody counting on peace anywhere in the country, in the south, in the north, you would say probably a a long shot on both fronts. Yes. I don't think you're going to have peace in the region until all of the uh, enemies of the Jewish state recognize that it and that it will inflict severe, severe penalty on on any attempt to uh, harm its sovereignty or to harm its civilians. Just so you know, it was uh, two weeks ago today, I believe it was, that we did our last show from your studios and uh, Dove bought us some delicious falafel. So uh, Justin and I are wondering if you and Dove and Avia uh, and all the fine people that work with you and who's my guy from uh, Chicago who does all the video stuff? Brian, Ryan Lipschitz. Yeah, he's great too. Can you send us falafels to New York City? I'm going to put one in an envelope and then send it to you. I'm going to put extra subpoena. So just be careful when you open it. It might be drippy, but it'll still be good. Don't worry. Sir. All right. And as I said, uh, baseball season is starting soon, and I promised your son Mordechai I would take him to a Met or a Yankee game. So make sure that uh, that I stand good by my promise, okay? Oh, shit. It's not going to be a Yankees game. Oh, baby. All right, Mordecai. I knew I loved that kid. Hey, Alex, great job, buddy, as always. We'll do this again next week. Thank you so much.
Looking forward. Thanks so much, Sid. Take care. That's uh, Alex Trayman. That is a courageous super guy, JNS. Once again, you want the best, most accurate news out of Israel. That's where you go, JNS.org. And a, and a shout-out here to Noam Lane, who introduced me to this man all the way back on October the 9th. Talking about Noam Lane, he's got your news coming up. We've got a big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. How about these two superstars, Vicky Palladino and Bill O'Reilly? As if that's not enough, Lara Trump in the 9 o'clock hour. Keep it right here. In the morning, 77 WABC. Anthony D'Esposito, Nick Lalota, Andrew Garbarino, Mike Lawler owe the Republican Party $10 million. And they need to go pay up because that $10 million is going to cost seats all across the uh, country. Stop right there. Well, what do you mean they owe the Republican Party $10 million? Housing me from Congress, it costs the Republican donors across this country $10 million. That's what was spent on this race on our side. Ten million dollars on an election year with the presidential candidate and with the house being the most important thing to keep they went ahead and made the republican party blow 10 million dollars because of their feudal hate for me george santos on the show with me yesterday as far as i know i'm the only guy who got george santos all day why the news would make a big deal about it i don't know I stopped caring, really. My uh, buddy Donald Trump, these jerk-offs at CNN, have got this live coverage of a bunch of cars parked outside the courtroom, and soon Donald Trump attends hearing in hush money, case. Hush money for the porn star. They can't get a 1.0, folks. They can't get a 1.0. You know why very few people in radio and television Ever talk about ratings? You want to know why? Because they don't get them. You know why I always talk about ratings? Because I'm an effing monster. That's why. Because people listen to me all over this city, all over this country, out of this country. Right now there's uh, thousands of folks in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem listening and just heard Alex Trayman live from Jerusalem. When you start showing live pictures of four-part cars for 30 minutes with the anticipation of my friend, the president, former president, and soon-to-be 47th president, showing up for a bullshizzle trial, you're not going to get ratings. Now, Santos gets me ratings. <laughs> so I put him on. And look, he was right. So I'm going to talk to Vicky Palladino here in a second, but I want Vicky to hear this first. I'm not going to say the name of this person, but here's what I got this morning. This person loves Vicky Palladino loves her. And this person said, I can't understand why Vicky would go all out for a flawed candidate like Mozzie rather than send a strong signal to Cairo that she was an unacceptable choice. 
So take a loss and put a real strong conservative up in November like they must do now anyway. I don't want to believe that Vicky is beholden to the machine. Very disappointing. And this person loves Vicky. Now, look, you guys know. Yes or no, all three of you. Noam, Justin, Lou. Was I not on record at least twice before Election Day saying I thought Mozzie was going to lose? At least twice, yeah. yeah. I heard it. And I like her. Nice lady. Nice lady. But you can't be a registered Democrat. You can't be just tepid in your endorsement for Donald Trump. And quite frankly, not her fault. She's not a great communicator. So I know Curtis and Vicky and certainly Joe and Pete out in Long Island did the best they could. But the truth is, she was not a great candidate. Bottom line, great person, great person, great mother, courageous. I liked her. She was on this show four times. Not the best candidate. Here is uh, my friend Vicky Palladino. Vicky, good morning. Good morning, Sid, and thank you for that lead-in. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, Vicky didn't go all out. Let's, let, let's make this very, very clear. Uh, Vicky worked with extremely limited resources. And uh, I, too, like Mozzie. I mean, nice woman. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we're running an unknown against a, what I consider in Tom Swazi an incumbent, well-known name, been around forever here in this part of the district and on Long Island. Uh, and to say it was a poor choice, absolutely. Am I beholding to a machine? Ha, huh, never. Won't ever happen. Never. So uh, did I try to do something hearing, you know, Republican candidate? Absolutely. Did I see her as a flawed candidate? Uh, I would say my chances for Mozzie were, uh, when, especially when I saw the ground game going on here in Queens, was she's not going to do it here. Just not going to do it. So I, uh, I don't want to disappoint anybody, but anybody who knows who I am knows where I stand with things and know that I never, ever, ever, I do things my way. That's the way I do things. Just so you know, that person just texted me and said, please make it clear again how much I love Vicky. And I don't think she's beholden to the machine. But but the person, you know, it just just seemed that way because of the work that you did. But I know this. When Santos came on with me yesterday, and he comes on all the time, um, you got wind of that. And as far as I know, and if I'm wrong, correct me, you got wind that Santos was coming on with me. You reached out to my producer and said, I want to come on and talk about Santos. Is that true? I didn't say I want to talk about Santos. I want to talk about the race. You know, uh, I knew him as Anthony back in the day when I met him in 2018. Uh, And, you know, he was fine. And then everybody was shocked by what happened when he ran for Congress. But look, let's be very, very clear here. Uh, I think, and I said it on election night, you know, I really think he, I did not know this backstory about uh, Esposito putting his name out there. You know, Sid, I'm so busy with New York City politics. It's really rough for me to try to keep up with federal stuff. And that, 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 was, that's, that's why you listen to me every morning. There you go, Sid. Exactly 100%. But I will say this. I was troubled uh, right out of the gate that they couldn't keep him there and that we couldn't have a real election uh, come November. He had already said 
that he wasn't going to run again in November. So why not find an excellent candidate, which, by the way, people were screaming at me, run, run. You could beat this. You could beat Tom. Run. Why don't you run for Congress? And I said, I won't do that because I just won by a landslide, and I'm not going to disappoint the people who put me into office to stand up for them here in District 19. Uh, however, go back to Santos, I think he should have stayed in the seat. Why, why, why don't you think he did? I mean, again, why would you risk? We have a razor thin. Exactly, 100%. So what, what, what do you think? What do you think the motivation was for Desposito and Lolita and to a certain extent King and Cairo and all these folks? I mean, is it that we're morally better? Because I hate to tell you, you can't be morally better and win in politics at the same time. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's an oxymoron. A hundred percent. No. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I will say this. I never knew the uh, Nassau GOP until this race. Never knew them. I'd never been introduced to uh, D'Esposito, Loyola, all these people you're talking about. I only met for the first time. Peter King and I have become good friends and I value Peter. Uh, you know, I don't care what people say. Uh, Peter's a great guy. Uh, Joe Cairo, uh, met him, talked to him through this campaign. Uh, again, it wasn't, um, you know, I never saw an apparatus quite like that because we don't have one of those here in Queens. Right. We don't. Right. They have an apparatus. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reasons, they did what they did. I did not know that the Esposito led the charge to get rid of Anthony. I didn't know that. Um, I I did not know the inner workings of the Nassau GOP at all. Yeah. So uh, to be a part of what I thought was going to be a short and sweet run, but little or no uh, resources here in Queens, I quickly got the wind in my own brain because I I determine what I do. Uh, and uh, you know we did one rally and. Uh, my foot soldiers, there was no place for them to go to pick up what they needed to push her name out. So slowly I was getting, you know, in my own mind, being a full-time councilwoman, tried, urged them if they want to really win in Queens, this is what they need to do. And it wasn't followed through on. No. So, you know, the lousy 6,000 votes she took from here or whatever it was, it doesn't lay at my doorstep at all, and I won't, you know, it's it's what they did. So now we got to think about going forward. Well, hold on. Let me stop you right there. Let me stop it. So, so it sounds to me, and the reason why people love you is because you're a beautiful woman, but you got a set of balls. I mean, it's 2024. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. So it sounds to me like you're placing the blame on her lack of success in Queens on that Long Island machine. Without a doubt. Wow. And I don't mean to be disrespectful. And Joe and Peter, if you're listening to this, because I know you know I was going on the air with this morning, I told you a hundred times. And I said what we needed to do. So I don't know why they I, – I, my exact words were, every time I turn around, I bump into Tom Swazi. So, uh, <laughs> it's true. You know, he, was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was everywhere yeah, in my yeah, district because was. when he ran against uh, Anthony in 2020 – uh, this area went navy blue. Uh, when I ran, it went ruby red. Right. And when you right. say this, and I say it with a full heart, and I thank you for, uh, you know, thinking my name was going to carry uh, a candidate. 
My name without a ground game wasn't going to do anything when you put her up against an incumbent. The other thing I want to say is this. Tom Swazi, and let me be extremely clear on this to everybody out there. He ran on Republican messaging. Yes, he did. In fact, you, uh, the, the House, the leader of the House, Mike Johnson, said he sounded more like a Republican than Mozzie. Thank you. <laughs> and that's all I kept saying was listen to what he's doing. Listen to what he's saying. Now, I, as the city councilwoman, uh, you know what, Tom? And you know it. I will hold your hand over the fire. I will be the first one to call you out as soon as you cannot and step back on what you said. Because I'm going to hold you true to everything you did and said. And if you don't, you're going to have me and the constituents of this district to answer to. Because you will not, if they, unless they don't put up a good candidate again, if you will have me to answer to. And I will tell you, because everybody who voted for me voted for Swazi. My Democrat friends, they went out and they voted for Swazi. They did not vote for Mozzie. And uh, when I heard him talk, I said, oh, really? Mm, very interesting. Now, I'm watching uh, yesterday, but it was early this morning, The Five on Fox. Yeah. And the girl, Jessica. The one that's liberal, more liberal, or the liberal on the panel there around the table. And uh, I hear her say exactly what I just said to you. Listen to the messaging that these Democrats are putting out now. They sound like Republicans. No, they don't. Yes, Wazi talked about. That's the only way they're going to win. Of course. Swazi talked about Biden and shutting down the border and all that stuff. One more in the next 60 seconds. You know, Peter King uh, is a dear friend of mine. I mean, I mean, I said, yeah, mine too. Yeah, yeah. We, we go out for dinner with him and Rosemary, the kids, all that. I yeah. love Peter. I love Peter King. But Me nobody too. took more abuse on my social media yesterday than Pete. I'm going to tell Pete this tomorrow when he's on, maybe later today when I call him, because I guess he was on with John and Rita yesterday afternoon, and he was placing some of the reason for Mozzie's loss on Trump. And people listening to this show know that Peter while he did vote for Trump in the past, has not been very pro-Trump on this show. He's, you know, he's like, he's too divisive. I like his policies, blah, blah, blah. He's been promoting DeSantis. He said, now, if Trump is the last standing Republican, I'll vote for him. But he's been anything but pro-Trump on this show over the last year. And listeners are telling me that he blamed the loss yesterday on Donald Trump. Let me just say this. Why? Don't do that. If you're Long Island or you're Peking or anybody else, don't. It's nice and easy to say, oh, Donald Trump. And, you know, he was yelling about Mozzie saying, but the last thing you want to do, if you want to win a Republican election anywhere, is start blaming Donald Trump. You agree? I totally agree. Holy Jesus. I can't believe. I, I mean, come on. We can't be doing that. You know, look, don't back off of these people on the left who want to start calling us because now the narrative has started, okay? Because I see it here <clears throat> with Tom Swazi. Do not fall for this narrative of MAGA, extreme right wing. Stop it. Just stop it. And the Republicans and the Democrats, the Republicans should go straight for the Democrats and say, just be quiet. I will not listen to your garbage Stop your name calling. You are a weak link if that's the only thing you've got. Okay? Because I'll go totally.
against you on every single issue, okay? And you try right now. You try to defend Biden. You try to defend Biden. Go ahead. But for anybody to be weak meat on Trump, no, absolutely not. Don't feed the Democrat machine. Don't feed it. You got to fight it. And that's the truth. And I'm a little surprised. I cannot stand, well, you know me. I don't really like weak need people. Weak need people drive me nuts. Peter's not weak need. I just don't understand why he would say that about, about, uh. Well, listen, you know, I, I didn't hear it, uh, but I got a lot of messages, so I'm assuming it's true. Peter text me or call me if it's not, but I'm not surprised because, like I said, Pete has spent the better part of the last year not exactly approaching. That's fine. He's allowed. He, you know, he, he's known Trump for years. He likes Trump. He voted for Trump, but he really thought at this point that Trump's policies are good, but he's the wrong man for the job. So I wasn't surprised when I heard because Trump did come out did come out and, and, and kill Mozzie yesterday for being a lousy candidate and kill Long Island people for putting her out there. So it doesn't surprise me, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, they, you know, this party better get their act together. I mean, that's all I could say. I mean, because, you know, one thing we have to hand it to the Democrats, really, and I told my club this last night, one thing you can do with the Democrats is this, and you could say it, they could go behind closed doors hate each other's guts, yell and scream, come out, and they're all wonderful. Yeah, of course. I mean, look. They stand behind their candidates no matter what. I mean, look at at their example of George Santos, Bob Menendez. Another day, again this morning, there are more bribery allegations. And I know that you had some of these losers like Cory Booker came out and, and blasted him and others, but he's still there. So anyway, you're right. The Republican Party needs to get their right together. They really need to take their. They really need to take a lesson from the Democrat playbook. Yep. Yep. And let me say one other thing: absentee ballots. <clears throat> pardon me, mail-in ballots. Early voting, folks. We must get used to early voting. Five thousand people came out yep. in my area and voted mail-in as well as early voting. Yep. We must vote early. And that's it. Like it or not, I believe in only one election day as well. But we better start to play their game and we better start to get united behind the candidate. And we better get good candidates because I'm getting a little sick and tired of this nonsense. (laughs) And I don't want them thinking that Tom Swazi's win is a uh, way the the country's going to go. That's a bunch of crap. This is all, sorry, Sid, this is all part of their mind game. Don't fall for it. What are you sorry for? Be just fine. What are you sorry for? That was just an amazing appearance. I wish I could talk to you all day. You're so you're so hot, Vicky Paladino. You set my hair on fire, and I'm bald. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you. I got a head of white hair. You know what? I just don't ever stop. But anyway, all right, Mitch. Thank you. You and I will talk again, all right? All right, sweetheart. Keep up the good work. There she is, Queens City Councilwoman. I love her. I love her dearly. Vicky Paladino, still to come, Bill O'Reilly and Lara Trump. A lot more to do on a Thursday morning with me, Sid.
77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Vicky Palladino on fire. A phone must be ringing off the hook from these Long Island people. Anyway, it's over. He lost. And uh, now you got to find a better candidate for November. That's all. Is this live? Is Steve Sharippa live right now on New York One? No, because I saw it an hour ago. What? Oh, okay. They taped it. What does he have, another one of these soprano shows coming up or something? It's the uh, comedy night that he's going to have at the Garden, I think. It's the night with comics. Oh, he does it every year. It's in March. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. It's in a few weeks, but it's definitely. They're putting makeup on him. There's Roger Clark. I like Roger Clark. He looks like he was funny, too, yeah. seeing some of the... He, it did look lines. funny, yeah? Yeah, of course, because okay. he's a funny guy. Yeah, I he's love just, Steve. We'll bring him on. He's just a good, great person. Yeah, I love Steve, too. All right, so we've been through a uh, great show. Jennifer Harrison, Curtis Sliwa. We talked to Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem again this morning. And once again, Joe Biden talking about a two-state solution, which we don't want. Jewish people don't want it. You got it? Joe was with um, King Abdullah. In Jordan yesterday, and his traitorous Secretary of State Blinken was with Hamas in Ramallah last week. And now these two scumbags couldn't find their ass for the map. And I don't care how old and dementia-ridden Joe Biden is, I've been so aggravated and annoyed by the narrative because everybody's making excuses for this guy. Yes, he is old. Yes, he does have some form of dementia, maybe worse than I thought. But you can also be corrupt. You can also be a criminal. You can also be a lying, backstabbing son of a bitch and have dementia at the same time. And I feel like everybody now is just talking everything up to this stupid special counsel report. Don't confuse the issue. It's both. Yes, he's too old. He's got dementia. He should not be able to run or continue on as president. But he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. It's both. Is that fair to say, Lou? It's very fair to say. I think everybody's catching up now to the fact I don't know. That I think they're, they're concentrating on dementia. No, they're catching up to the fact about that, actually. Like, wow, he they're actually consulting with each other. He might be just unfit to run next time. Duh! Yeah. He wasn't fit to run before. Yeah, but he's not He's not unfit enough to, uh, to, to indict. Make, right. Just like the, the, the Donald Trump. Yeah, but the course. same thing, same thing. Not unfit to indict, but he may be unfit to run the... Well, if he's unfit to do either one of those, he's unfit he's to un- do the other. He's unfit. He's unfit. What is he? What are they doing negotiating? And he should with, be in prison. What are they doing negotiating with these people? Oh, I, I there don't too. know. Blinken is... With them. There's yeah. no negotiation. You set the terms, and that's it. No, no Netanyahu sets the that's, terms. That's what I mean. It's his war. Right. It's not the United States war. Well, if they're standing there to assist, like, that, you just set terms. You don't have to negotiate right. with the And, and with by the, the way, everything side. they say, Netanyahu takes 10 minutes and goes, nope, yeah. not going to do it. No. Nope. We're gonna. To... Fi- I'm gonna turn Beirut into Gaza. I'm gonna turn Hamas into a parking lot. I don't give a rat's ass what Biden or Blinken or Lloyd Austin, any of these clowns say. 
It's my people. It's my country. And I'm going to destroy these bastards, even if it means some innocent civilians die. That's called war. War. Casualties of war. He's given these people ample opportunity to leave, but here's the problem. Nobody wants them. Egypt doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. The only place that wants them is Eric Adams. You can come here. You can come here. It's fine. <laughs> what do we care? We've got crazy Venezuelans. We've got crazy Hondurans. A couple of crazy Palestinians. So what? How bad could it get? Yeah, it's New York. Come on in. <laughs> Noam. God, I'm so mad at Noam. You're yeah. mad at me. What did I do? I don't know. You just... You turned left and you left. <laughs> <laughs> In the morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. Got it right away. The ballad of Billy the Kid. Classic Billy Joel, which is great because you got Billy from Long Island, like O'Reilly. And Billy the Kid, like Billy O'Reilly, they don't call him Billy, by the way. Larry Trump is coming up next, but right now we got the best segment of the week. Trust me, folks, he was the best, he still is the best, he'll always be the best. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights on WABC or his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com, which is the best place for news. Great stories, great interviews, great TV, nobody does it better. And, of course, the Killing Series... Killing the Witches, the latest. He's got a new book coming out in a couple of months. He is the great Bill O'Reilly. Bill, there's so much I want to get to with you today, but let's start with that race. You're a Nassau County resident. I know you paid close attention. Swazi Pillup, I did say Monday at the end of my show, I thought she would lose. She did lose. I was not surprised for a variety of reasons. What about you? Um, Was I surprised she lost? No. I thought it would be closer than it was uh, when I analyzed the demographics. Um, Swazi won in all categories. So people say the weather, the weather wouldn't have mattered. When you win in every demographic uh, category, um, Hispanics, blacks, whites, across the board, you're going to win the election. And I think it was because Swazi is a very good campaigner, um, whereas Mozzie not her fault, was a newcomer, um, a little problem with the language, uh, wasn't sure of herself with the press. So Swazi out campaigned her and had the money to do it. So there were about $7 million more donated to his campaign than Mozzie's. That means a lot because you can buy more ads. You can get uh, the vote out. You can hire people to do that. And so it all aligned for Swazi, and he was very familiar to voters in the district, having represented the district in the past. So it's logical. Um, I don't think it's a harbinger of uh, anything to come. It was just they ran um, a better campaign. Swazi's people ran a better campaign. A lot of folks who live on the island and in Queens contacted me throughout the whole campaign, and they were aggravated that Mozzie is still a registered Democrat, by the way, but above and beyond that, I said, why not leave George Santos there? Let 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 the courts no, indict him. No, you can't. Do now, why? That. When you, no. but wait a second. Why, why not? 
Why not? Because he's a grifter. So what? I mean, you got to have some standards of behavior. Oh, you do? Rep- representing you. You do? Oh, yeah. Has, I mean, he, look. has he been guilty in a court of law? Well, he will be. Well, no, but has, uh, Bill, you know better than this. You can't start taking people or moving them until they're guilty in a court no, of yes, law. No, you can. Uh, the, the House yeah, you can, then you can lose. Then you the lose. House Ethics Committee said he's not, he violated, you know, all these tenets of behavior in the House, and you can boot just on that. Look, Santos is getting due process, but from what the Ethics Committee came up with, which will certainly be used against him in the court of law, right. he's going to play out. You wait and see. He will plead guilty to some lesser charge, not going to go to jail, um, and that's it. Then he'll slink away. But if you're going to put party politics above what's good for the country, then that is not going to be a long-term successful strategy. I don't disagree got, with you. I, I don't. Menendez out in the Senate, Democratic Senate in Jersey. He should be gone a long time well, ago. Well, I just mentioned that. So that, that's my point, though. While I agree with you from a morality standpoint, it's great that the Republicans took a stand against a guy that seemingly yeah, did these things. They did the but, right thing. Yeah, but the Democrat, but they stab each other in the back and lose. Democrats, at least, they stick together. They win. Well, that's the key point. So uh, this analysis I put forth on News Nation with Cuomo last night. I think I confused Chris. That's uh, not hard. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice. All right, look, you got two political parties in the country. You got one political party that is a monolith. There are about five Democratic Congress people, AOC and her squad. That might defect, but probably won't. So whenever anything comes up, the Democrats in Congress and in the Senate are all going to vote together. That's what my objection to Spazi was. And I had him on Common Sense at 9 o'clock on WABC, and I said, look, I know you a long time. I think you're a good guy and you're honest, but you're not going to go in there and vote against Biden. No matter what Biden does, you are not going to vote against him, and you know it. Which he did say he would do. He, he did say during his campaign he would do that, especially with won't. the border. He won't. And the reason he won't is because he's got to run again in November and he needs money. And if he goes against Biden or the party orthodoxy, and remember that far left progressives control the Democratic Party, he's not going to get a dime. He's not going to get a dime. And that is the threat. And Nancy Pelosi came up with this game plan that you do it our way or you're not going to get any money to run. That's the discipline that is in the Democratic Party in Congress. The Republican Party is all over the place. They don't have that because there's no leader. There is no leader of the Republican Party in this country. None. Zero. Mitch McConnell, the turtle, okay, is totally ineffective. No one listens to him. And then the new Speaker of the House, Johnson, does not have control over his members. So you've got... Far-right people, you know who they are, coming out every two minutes. They want to be isolationists. They want to be this. They want that, this. They, you know, okay. So you got one party 100% down the line. Mayorkas impeached, not one. Not, not one vote on the Democratic side to do that. Do they think Mayorkas is good? No. Biden uh, administration went out and said, you better not vote against him. You better not embarrass us. And they didn't. Republicans, forget it. Ukraine aid, they're all over the place. Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. So that is a tremendous advantage for the Democrats in November. 
They are a monolithic party. Now, is that good for democracy? No. Every congressperson should vote their conscience and vote what helps their constituents. But they don't because you need so much money to run for re-election. Well, you just laid that out perfectly. That's why you're the best ever. We're going to take a short break. You just talked about why the Democrats are so effective. And now, as you talk about all the time, Bill, this attack on the media, there's a guy out there who's looking to spend a lot of money to make sure the Democrat message is the only message you hear right here in New York. You know that guy's name. If you don't, you'll hear it next. More Bill O'Reilly. But it Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Little gin blossoms for you. Bill O'Reilly, 9 o'clock. Back with Bill. So, Bill, I kind of intimated that. I was going to bring up George Soros' name. I saw this story in the New York Post, and my good buddy Chris Olivero runs all of these Odyssey stations here in New York, the second largest, I believe, of all the syndication radio chains. And they run 1010 Winds and CBS 880, WFAN, a bunch of these landmark huge stations in New York. And according to yesterday's New York Post, Soros wants to uh, take stock, you know, buy these things, become a major stockholder so he can push forward his narrative for the election come November. I mean, this is unbelievable what George Soros is doing in this country, yes? It's not him, it's his son, Alexander. Who, by the Uh, way, is now dating Anthony Weiner's ex-wife, Huma Aberdeen. They were pictured together in a restaurant in Paris, canoodling during Valentine's Day yesterday. Canoodling? Yes. Yeah? Wow. Hey, now. 
Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, the Soros operation, um, which wants open borders, socialism in America, uh, diversity, uh, champion of woke, everything that most WABC listeners despise, um, they are pouncing on um, the radio company Odyssey. Uh, how do you say it? Odyssey. 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 Yeah. Um, and it is audacious. Um, <laughs> Odyssey went bankrupt. Okay, they owe about two billion dollars, which for George Soros is ah, yeah, I can. And so uh, the Soros operation is going to basically go in and buy up a lot of that company. And the reason is what you just said. Um, so I expect uh, Boomer Esiason. Uh, to grow a beard and look like Fidel Castro. That's, that's what I think. You know, Boomer, but Boomer happens to be a conservative. You know, I mean, he would never admit that to his fan audience because lots of Dems love sports, but right. he happens to be uh, on my team, you know. Well, that, that's, he's going to have to change. He's, I mean, he's, what do you he's mean? Gonna when, when you look like Fidel with a little hat. Um, when you say he's going to have to change, do you, I mean, this is what I'm afraid of. It's funny, but do you really think that Soros buys that station and makes a call to the powers that be and says, make sure all of your talent, especially a guy like Boomer who gets big ratings up against me in the mornings, says nice things about the Democrats? That's not how it works. Okay. So I worked for, as you know, CBS News and ABC News as a correspondent. And I learned an enormous amount about the media business and the world by doing so. Both organizations were liberal, but they did not impose that kind of a direct order on their um, personnel. So, for example, Mike Wallace was socially liberal, but he was a fairly conservative guy. Um, Dan Rather was very liberal. Peter Jennings, socially liberal, um, but didn't impose. And so management basically kept its its distance. They didn't go in and insult people by telling them, you better say this. But it's the hirings. So now, CBS, ABC, and NBC, and NBC is the absolute worst. Can you name one conservative presence on any of those three? You know, I really can't. I swear to you, I can't. I'm, uh. I'm investigating right now. We cannot find one conservative presence in the form of a commentator or a producer or anybody. I'm even thinking about the Sunday shows. I mean, down they're to all, Jane Pauley. They're all liberal shows. Yeah. And here's how you know. They don't book conservative guests. You will never find a conservative author on any of those shows. And, you know, look, I used to go on them occasionally, but now Never invited Mark Levin, never invited Sean Hannity, never invited anybody who uh, is not deemed a liberal. Yeah. I'm not a conservative. I'm an independent. But they don't know what I'm going to say. I might go in and say good things about Donald Trump, and that's not allowed. By the way, to a much lesser extent, because I'm not arrogant enough to compare myself to the likes of you or Levin or Hannity, I've been banned Forever, basically, from Good Day New York. Rosanna Scotto loves me, doesn't like me, loves me. Brooklyn girl, also between us, thinks like us, or me, I should say, if I can include you, thinks like me. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn boy made good. Channel 5 wants no part of me, none. Well, I don't understand that. Um, you know, it's a Fox-owned station, and Fox 
isn't what it used to be on the national news level. That's for sure. There's no. There's been a tremendous shift there. Everyone's confused. They don't know exactly what the management wants. Um, but locally, why wouldn't you, if you were Channel Five, use the local talent in New York that's successful? Exactly. Why wouldn't you do that? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know Rosanna, and I like her very much, and she has an, had an extraordinary career, but she doesn't want to get involved with that. I mean, no. you know, she doesn't want to go in, and I know, I understand how all this works. But back to Soros. This is a play to control 220 radio stations nationwide with liberal management. That's who moves in first. And the liberal management are going to hire people who are liberal. And that's why you don't see any conservative presence on NBC, CBS, or ABC. None. Zero. That's how it works. And that's why the media in America props up Joe Biden, props up the progressive left, because they all think the same way. It's just like Hollywood. It's exactly the same thing. Hollywood is controlled by about eight people. They are all far-left people, every single one of them. And if you don't toe that line, you don't work. It really is that simple. In the final two minutes of what's been another unbelievable uh, appearance, the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs parade yesterday, horrible. This beautiful young woman, mother of two, a radio DJ, ironically, murdered a bunch of kids shot. I mean, just as bad as it gets. But you need to explain to me, what makes that tragic, awful story yesterday a political story? I can't figure it out. It's the gun thing. It always happens. Okay? Always. So when there is a mass shooting, if it is a criminal drug gang shooting, because that is a mass shooting, it's ignored by the media. They don't cover that. But if it's a random particularly white guy who comes in and shoots up everybody, then all guns have to be banned. Here's the interesting part about the Kansas City shooting. We're not quite 24 hours into the story. We don't know who these suspects are. Now, I don't expect them to put out their names. What if they're innocent? What if they, you know, these guys got caught up in something they didn't do it? We don't know who they are. We don't know why. Three, there's three of them, okay? Why they were shooting? Were they shooting at each other? That's what I assume. I assume this is a gang-related thing. Now, the cops know. They know right now because they have um, them in custody. Yeah. They know if it's a gang shooting. Why don't we know? <laughs> right? right? Yeah. It's being suppressed. Yeah. This information is being suppressed. And this happens all the time. Okay, so I'm, I got my people all over this trying to find out, are these Nazis? Are they a Nazi club? Are they drug gang guys? That sounds better. Who are they? We cannot break through that wall right now. I'll get it. But it is unbelievably frustrating because the American people do not get the information they need. Nope. That's my point. Instead of telling us the specifics about what happened, because it's a news story, instead, all morning long, Joe and Mika are talking about 
you know, the Second Amendment, like you said, guns. Oh, exactly and, right. That's yeah. what they always do. Yep. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. It is absurd that these people go in and their goal is to disarm yeah. everyone so that you are more dependent on the government. You cannot defend yourself. That's what they want, a big central government controlling everything. That's the Soros philosophy. And, you know, most Americans, they have no blanking clue what's going on here. <laughs> and they got to wise up by November, I'm telling you. Uh, you're right. Hey, Bill, just another uh, absolutely tremendous segment. Great as always this morning. I love you. Thank you so much. Look forward to doing it again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, Sid. Thanks for having me. The best ever. Bill O'Reilly, folks. Check him out 9 p.m. every weeknight, WABC. And, of course, his own great website, which is BillOReilly.com. Hold on, Lara Trump just texted me. Hope she's not canceling. Sid, what's the number? Okay, she's coming. We'll take a short oh. break. <laughs> do the do the news with Noam and talk to Donald Trump's rock star daughter in law, Lara. She coming up next. Any place but those I know Is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Now, is this one the Foo Fighters we did, Lewis? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, they did this one, Baker Street. But Jerry Rafferty is, he was so good. I think he's dead a long time now, but it's a great song. And, uh, Johnson, as I said earlier, if you ever want me to take you seriously, you cannot be throwing beef jerky in your mouth and then be talking to me, like, seriously about Larry Trump. I just... You, have, you, just, you don't look credible when you're doing that. Well, that's why I gave you a printed-out article. I, f- I figured that might do a better job in convincing you. Yeah, probably that was, so. That was real news. So. I'm watching again at the corner of my eye. I see these jerk-offs at CNN. And, again, they got this camera out there waiting for my friend Donald Trump to go to court. It's a big day for my friend Trump because they've got court hearings going on just about the same time in New York and Georgia. And that brings me to my next guest, who I love dearly. She has been so good to me. But it's above and beyond that. She's just... She's got it all. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. She's a great American. She's going to be the co-chair of the RNC. <laughs> She's my friend, Lara Trump. Lara, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Can we say that again? I'm going to record it. I'm going to text it to Eric Trump so he can hear that. That was such a nice intro. Said so thank you very much. Well, it's all true. You know I don't lie. I'm very <laughs> genuine. But something tells me that Eric told you, all those things just last night, Valentine's Day. It was a very special evening. Yes, I hope everyone had a happy Valentine's Day. I'm a lucky lady. 
and I had a husband who gave me a beautiful bouquet of roses, and for my daughter, got flowers for her daughter, too. It was so nice. How old is your little girl now? She's four years old, so... She's so we're starting her early. I, I, Eric's ruining her for whoever her future. I was going to say sorry already. I was going to say because uh, I was fighting with my daughter Ava a couple of days ago, and I think at one point during the fight, she's nineteen. I think I called her spoiled, and then I and then I yelled at myself. I said, "Well, I did this to you, so <laughs> yeah, you only ready. have one person to blame." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I also, after I said all those beautiful, nice things about you, which, again, is all true, I said uh, the next RNC co-chair, Michael Watley and Larry Trump, is that going to happen? Well, we'll see what the committee members decide. Obviously, we have a pretty strong endorsement from who I would argue is the most important person in the Republican Party, Donald J. Trump, I believe our next president of the United States. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting because, you can't win elections. You cannot win, you know, as a Republican without the help of the RNC. And what I think people have seen in the past is that the campaign and the RNC are kind of two separate entities who work towards the same goal. And what Donald Trump wants to do is he wants to combine those teams. He wants to say enough of two separate things. We're all in, all together, going hard for November 5th. Because, I mean, Sid, we can all look around and say that this is a must win election. We will not have a country on the other end of this if Joe Biden and the Democrats get their way. So I think he picked the team he wants. We'll see what the committee members decide and how they vote. What does that mean? Uh, and I want to move off this and get to your father-in-law. But if, in fact, the committee votes uh, yes and uh, Watley becomes the chair, you become the co-chair. I don't know the answer to this. What, what, is that, what does that mean for you on a daily basis? What does that job entail, basically? Well, listen, I think that at this point, what it will require. And, and I think my goals, if I, you know, am elected to this position will be to reestablish the, the American people's faith in this organization, because look, the truth is right now, I think people are hesitant to donate to the RNC. I don't know that they fully feel like that the RNC is supportive of Donald Trump. Uh, They certainly have been in the past, but I think people need to really understand that every penny that you donate to this organization will go to Donald Trump. We'll go to, you know, expanding our lead in the House and hopefully taking over the United States Senate come November 5th of this year. And so my goals over the next nine and a half months or so will be to do just that, to make sure that we are taking every single penny and putting it where it needs to go. Um, So that's what day to day my goals will be. and, And there are a lot of different ways you can do that. But listen, we like I said, we can't win without the RNC. We need to be a cohesive unit here, a team marching forward, because we have a country to save, Sid, and we have no time to waste. I just had Bill O'Reilly on moments ago, and we had this uh, special election here in New York, and uh, I endorsed Mozzie Pillip because she's a Republican. I like a nice lady. I never thought she was going to win, and she didn't, you know. And I know that uh, she kind of pissed off your father-in-law a little bit, and and she was wrong. I mean, the truth is, if you want to win any Republican race, it's in your best interest to endorse Donald Trump enthusiastically. She didn't do that. And uh, so your father-in-law had some choice words, you know. But the discussion I just had with Bill O'Reilly was, look, George Santos, Lara, they kicked him out, okay? And uh, they should have, according to what the others committee said. Even though I like George, they should have. Yet... On the Democrat side, you've got Bob Menendez, who did a heck of a lot worse than George Santos. And even though a couple of Democrats have come out and said bad things about him, like Cory Booker, he's still there. They're not kicking him out. So the point is, the Democrats 
have some really unsavory people, but they stick together. The Republicans kill each other. That's got to stop, yes? Oh, it's got to stop, and I would argue that it has to stop first and foremost with Nikki Haley. This is an individual who has no path to victory on the Republican nomination. She will not become the Republican nominee, and yet there she is taking donor money, going out there trashing the Republican nominee. It is time right now to all galvanize our support behind Donald Trump. Put that money and that energy behind Donald Trump. We've got to take this election seriously, and we do need to be a cohesive unit. You are exactly right, Sid. For as crazy as they are on the left, there is one thing that they do very well. They all go in together, and they they pull their crazy together. We need to start taking some notes on the Republican side and doing the exact same thing. I would like to see Nikki Haley drop out of the race, stop wasting time, stop wasting money and energy, endorse Donald Trump, and let's all go together towards November 5th. Let's fight this fight hand in hand and step by step. We need to win this election. So you're right. We need to come together. We all need to be supportive of one another. That is one page I will take from the Democrats. Just about everything else is a hard no. (laughs) Hard no. Uh, And you're right about Nikki. I mean, I can't stand her at this point. I, I, uh, I feel about as strongly as Nikki as I do about Biden. That's how much I dislike her. And I didn't like her when she stabbed your father-in-law in the back in the first place and walked out on him. But this campaign has really been disgraceful. She's basically been the female version of Chris Christie. Go out there every day and bash your father-in-law, who was very kind to give her a job, and she loved him. And then uh, now she's turned into this. And look, DeSantis called it quits after Iowa. So did Vivek. I'm not even going to talk about Christie. That was a waste of time. But she's sticking around, like you said. And she's embarrassing herself and making it more difficult on the party. South Carolina is still a week away. She's down 36 points in the polls. Do you know, Lara, she's down as much as 70 points in at least two states on Super Tuesday. So there's still a chance she may bow out. I don't know if she will, but how much more embarrassing does it have to get? Well, that's a great question. She has come in, Sid, last in every single election. (laughs) You start out in Iowa, last place. New Hampshire, last place. She lost to none of these candidates in Nevada. Wasn't even in the caucus where you actually get the delegates, right? And now, as you said, we are just over a week away from the primary in South Carolina. This is her home state. She is facing a huge embarrassment by losing in her home state. Heck, even Kamala Harris for as as off the charts crazy, and and there's so many negative things I want to say about this woman. She did drop out before her home state of California, if you recall, when she was running for president. So she could at least save herself that embarrassment. I only can assume that the calculus at this point for Nikki Haley is that she is banking on the least democratic thing possible happening. And one of these crazy indictments, one of these outrageous, un-American, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, unconstitutional indictments of Donald Trump hits, and it prevents him from running for president. Oop, in swoops Nikki Haley. Any person who is not calling this out for exactly what it is and pushing back hard on the Department of Justice being weaponized against a political opponent has absolutely no space running for president of the United States. It's time for Nikki Haley to drop out of this race. Agreed.
Oh, damn, your father-in-law, I thought he was going to sit in a car and listen to his daughter-in-law and his buddy here, but he just walked into court in New York. They're actually talking to him right now, <laughs> looking sharp with his uh, red tie and his blue suit, and um, he is speaking to the press. Literally just walked into the court moments ago, and as I mentioned when you were coming on, Lara, it's a big day in that New York and Georgia, both hearings going on today, and, and again, you know, you talked about it. Nothing is stopping Donald Trump from running, nothing is stopping Donald Trump from eviscerating, not even winning, eviscer- just, just murdering the rest of this Republican field. And I feel the same way about Biden come November. So he's got a busy day in court today, two different cases in two different states, but it doesn't seem like it's derailing him. But is that where his mind is most of today? Well, I mean, look, he's this is a guy who obviously can can do a lot. He does more than than any human being, quite frankly, on the planet. And it really is why I feel like he was made for such a time as this. I really don't know any other person who could deal with all of this craziness and still keep his eye on the prize. I mean, you know, he, he's fighting, as you said, court cases completely unjustly, just complete, I mean, weaponization of, of our judicial system against him for political reasons. It's absolutely insane. His mind, I'm sure, is on that today, but he simultaneously is looking at this country and looking at the world right now. And he understands, I think, what is at stake. Anybody else said would have bowed out of this thing and been like, it's too much. I can't do all of this. They're trying to take down not only me as, as a candidate, they're trying to take down a business that I spent my entire life building. They're trying to take down my family alongside of me. But he understands, I think, what is at stake right now? Because I, I, I say it every time I come on. I said it earlier, but we honestly cannot. It, it, it's almost unimaginable to see the things that have occurred in only three years. I mean, the first six months of Joe Biden's presidency was a disaster enough, but we cannot have an open border. You can't have wars breaking out out around the world. You cannot have a weak leader at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because that makes the rest of the world very unstable, very dangerous. It puts us at risk here at home. We know that we've had millions of people pouring over that southern border. Last fiscal year, 169 on the terror watch list. People can't afford day-to-day their current quality of life. I mean, it's very basic. People look around, and you, you use the old Ronald Reagan. Are you better off now than you were even three years ago? The answer is no for people. And I think my father-in-law understands he's the only person who can do what is needed to bring this country back, to restabilize the world, and get things moving in the right direction. That's why he's staying in this fight, and that's why despite the crazy stuff going on in New York, Georgia, D.C., Florida, all over the place, he's focused on winning on November 5th, and I believe he will. This is unbelievable, what you just said, because I'm wearing a sweatshirt today for the Rockaway Republican Club, which is in Queens. You know New York very well. And um, the back of the sweatshirt has the exact Ronald Reagan quote. Oh, how weird is that, Lara? Literally, has the, ex- the Ronald Reagan it's quote. So your father is uh, talking about New York. And you used to live here, too. You all moved out of here. You're all very happy in South Florida. He said, I lived here. It did. It, it's so dirty and crime-ridden, and they should be concentrating on that and leaving me alone. He's right about that. But just to show you how unfair this whole thing is, your father-in-law's got documents at Mar-a-Lago. He's the president. He can declassify those. And they indict him. This guy, Biden's got documents everywhere. 
He's got him in a garage. He's got him in, in uh, Delaware. He's got him in some uh, in so, uh, Chinatown somewhere else. And they tell us he's just an old, doddering man who didn't know. Are you furious that they're not holding Joe Biden to the same legal standard they're holding your father-in-law to? Well, and it's even worse than that, because don't forget, Sid, Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. When he took these classified documents, he had no ability. You just pointed out Donald Trump did because he was president. Joe Biden had no ability to declassify any of these documents. They were still classified when he took them, still classified when they went in by the, the Corvette in the garage, still classified when they were at UPenn and the Chinese built center there. Those were classified documents he had absolutely no right to take. And the fact that the Department of Justice is telling us we won't charge this guy because his mental acuity and soundness is not such that we think he even had any idea what he was doing. Excuse me. He's the president of the United States of America. And running again. And running again. Gosh, it is unbelievable. Sid, if you wrote this stuff into a movie and tried to sell it to people 10 years ago, they would be like, there's no chance. And it's real life and it's happening now. Yeah, I'm furious about it. And every American ought to be, too. There is such a double standard. It's not even a double standard. You can't even call it that because it's so outrageous. And don't forget He's the president of the United States. I don't even know what to say. I just want to go back to sleep. With <laughs> president of the United States, who, again, is running again. He's too old. He's lost his mind. He's going to be 82. He's the oldest 82 ever. I mean, your father-in-law, he's 78. He could be 50. This guy's going to be 86 years old. If, God forbid, he wins, God forbid, at the end of his second term, it's a complete joke. But he's not going to because your father-in-law is going to win. And you, my friend, Larry Trump, you guys, you and Watley, you're going to be selected, too. So uh, I'm excited about your father-in-law being president, you being the co-chair of the RNC, because two Trumps are better than one. And uh, we need the Trump family to restore America to its proper place in the world. And stop and say nice things about Bibi, my friend Bibi, I just got back from Israel, instead of these louses that run the country now. Well, I appreciate that very much. There's nothing that the, the liberal media loves. Uh, as much as two Trumps out there on the front line, we know that they're going to get a double dose coming up soon. Love it. And listen, it's, it, it's, it's our entire family. You know that we're in this fight uh, and we got to go hard as a country. If you love America, now is the time we stand up. Now is the time we fight. We don't get another United States of America if we lose this one. It's on all of us, so let's go towards November 5th. Really that simple. Happy Valentine's Day. Love to you and Eric, and I look forward to doing this again very, very soon. You're always amazing, Lara Trump. Thank you so much. You're the greatest, Sid. Thank you. Thank you. That's my friend Lara Trump right there. Hopefully the uh, next RNC co-chair. Let's take a short break, Louie. Come back. More of the Thursday edition. Sitting friends in the morning with some more Jerry Raptor.
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. That was a pretty good run of guests here today, folks. Got to say myself, Jennifer Harrison, Curtis Sliwa, Alex Trayman, live in Jerusalem, Vicky Palladino, Bill O'Reilly, Larry Trump. I'm just uh, having a discussion. And this is exactly why I don't do sports talk radio anymore. I just, I, I hated every second of it. Every second of it's it. It's still going, by the way. Um, Mike the Dino, who's a great kid. I love Mike. I, I really hired Mike here. Basically. I mean, Chad did, but I brought him here. He's in charge of our sports. He uh, knows a lot about sports. He's a good kid. And uh, Jimmy Flippin, who's a news guy, but is also a very good, he knows a lot about sports, a lot. Yep. In fact, I think he's one of like the eight people that listens to WFAN in the city. Still. And then uh, Noam doesn't know anything, but he you know, jumps in because he's he's there, you know. You know, I'm sitting here listening to this conversation, and my, my head is about oh, to explode because I could care less. No. And they're talking <laughs> no. about the stupid, this person traded this guy, well, this guy's a terrible manager. You know what's funny? You say you could care less. Plus, you couldn't care less. I'm a diehard <laughs> med band. Right. Diehard. And I couldn't care less. Right. Because it's a dumb conversation. It is. And this is why I don't do sports talk. I mean... Look, the Mets won 75 games last year, 12 games under 500. Yeah, you're going to get into it now, too. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to make one point. They did not make one move (laughs) to improve the baseball team. They added a couple of relievers. They brought in a 90-year-old, the Luis Severino. See, it's still going on. I know. So so they're going to go from 12 games under 500 to a team now that vies for the wild card. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, they may end up doing that. And they can all come back to me next October and go, I told you so. But the problem is, when you involve emotion because you're a Met fan into your analysis, it's no good. And that's the first thing they tell you at Sports Talk Radio Station. We don't care if you like the team. If you weren't a Met fan, you would never be saying this stuff. Yeah. But you love the Mets, so you're like, no, we're not that bad. And, and you know, we got we got a Japanese reliever. I mean, he's never pitched in the majors before, but he's going to be great. <laughs> he's the next Mariano Rivera. And we got, we got um, you know, we got a second baseman shortstop who played at Lincoln High School last year, by the way. I mean, come on. So I just, I can't do it. I, I, I can't do it. But I, 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 all I did was go out there and say, look. Did you predict Texas was going to be in the World Series? Did you predict Arizona? Predicting is stupid. It is stupid. Nobody yeah. predicted those two teams were going to be in That's the true, that World case. Series. No, it is but, true. But, but, but you can predict every year. No, you can't. No, you can. 100% with, with, you won't be wrong ever, that teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Braves, they'll be in contention. They'll be there. They'll okay, be in contention. All right, yeah. fine, great. That doesn't mean they're going to win it, No, but they'll be there. Right. Okay. But you're right about Arizona, Texas, and maybe the Mets mm-hmm. are this year's example of Arizona or Texas. You never know. But i got to tell you, and I believe, and I, and I agree with Joe Boningo, everybody wanted Fred Wilpon out. Poor Fred Wilpon. The guy, he had no money. Bernie Madoff took all his money. He still gave all this money. It didn't turn out well. The team stunk. But he paid all this money to all these high-priced guys. How much better has it been under Steve Cohen? What have we done? Not nothing. One playoff series against San Diego, we <laughs> right. got wiped out. Right. That was it. Nothing. We brought in a bunch of, of old, high-priced pitchers. And Verlander, right. who does his best pitching in Houston, not, you know, yeah. he was fine in Queens, yeah. but he didn't win anything. What has been so great about Steve Cohen? All he knows is he wants to build a casino in Queens. A baseball team? I'm not so sure. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm,
You're not going to win a World Series or win a wild card spot with Alonzo and Lindor. Right. I mean, you make a good point about the fan, about being a fan. I mean, you work emotion into it, then you get right. into right. You, then you, you stay start, away from that. Right, right. But then you start overhyping prospects like the catcher kid they got, who everybody thinks is going to well, come out and hit 45 well, he, home runs and not 120 he, runs. He was great last he year. Was, he was great. Yeah, but, but he's got to do it again. Exactly. You don't know if he can do it again. Right. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, give me more than one year as, as a resume. Right. Who knows? I have no idea. I can't believe we're having it's this conversation. Acting like, the guy's, acting like the guy's Johnny Bench. Of course. Scott. Well, let me tell you what's even dumber. What's you want that? a dumber prediction? Sure. That Mozzie Pillip was going to beat Tom <laughs> This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Oh, I like this. The Foo Fighters version. Let me explain to Flippin. Flippin, get in here one second. Jim Flippin, he's uh, one of our news guys. Oh, I like how he jumped fast. Yeah. Here's how I'm going to explain it to you, okay? Bill de Blasio was the worst mayor ever. Everybody hated de Blasio, right? Okay. By the time Fred Wilpon left, everybody hated Wilpon. Okay, fine. Even though Wilpon had more success uh, as an owner than de Blasio did running the city. But they hate, everybody hated both of them, right? Okay. Here comes Eric Adams. He's going to save the day. And Eric Adams has not saved the day. And now we're finding out that New Yorkers are turned off. Here comes Stevie Cohen. He's going to save the day. And one playoff series swept by the Padres and a 12-game under 500 year last year is not even close to saving the day with, by the way, zero expectations this year. Mm -hmm. So that's when I mentioned Wilpon and Cohen in the same sentence. Adams is to de Blasio what Cohen is to Wilpon. They were both going to come and save the day, and neither one of them has. Neither one. One key distinction, however. All right. Fred Wilpon was definitely more well-received than Jeff Wilpon. And by the time the Wilpons left, Jeff was the one who was really running the show. I don't know what Fred was doing with his his real estate or he was more focused on the other stuff. That's true. But Fred was never as bad. It was always about Jeff 100%. and whatever he had going like, on, you know, his know, meddling and stuff like that. You know that. I know that for a fact. Working at FAN, uh, doing the Cyclone stuff, I was close to both of them. And I, then stuff came out in books that yeah. you probably knew at the time. I did. With him kind of pressuring Pedro Martinez, get out there the final day of the season, all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, things had gone bad for the Wilpons, maybe in a way that had nothing to do with Fred. But I just feel as though Steve Cohen, he came in, spent all the money right away, he could have well said, you know, uh, I want to rebuild the farm system, you know, the whole thing. we yeah. got to do it the right way. Yeah. But he spent the money right away. Then he said, okay, it's not working last year. They tore it all down at the trade deadline. Okay. We'll, okay. See, we'll see what happens with no, Stearns no, no, and with the whole, you know, yeah, yeah, trying to do it the right yeah. way thing. Wilpon kept spending. He tried. It wasn't his fault that Mulvorn sucked and Tom Glavin sucked and Jeremy Bonnet sucked they, they said, and Roberto Alomar sucked. We're not going to get Vlad Guerrero. We'll get Jason Bay. Whatever. Jason Bay was an all-star. Well, why not get Vlad Guerrero? Oh, he's had a, he's okay, got a bad back they, or something. They, oh, they, we'll get Jason Bay. They and got, then he stinks. They got, though. Well, he didn't stink when they got him. They got all-stars. He spent a lot of money. Steve Phillips, every year, was the GM of the year until the season started. But the Mets, they win. <laughs> the Mets were not, and money's not spending everything. I think we know that. Yes. But the, the one thing I will say is the Mets under Wilpon never cut bait on a bad investment. 
they would run that person out there and say, ah, maybe it'll work out today. Right. Maybe it'll work out right. today. Right. Yeah. What did what did Cohen do last year? Get them all out. Get them yeah, all he, gone. He, and he made a major mistake by hiring Stearns, and he fired Buck Showalter for a guy no one's ever heard of, Carlos Mendoza. Give me a break. Big Mendoza guy. <laughs> Big Mendoza yeah. guy. Listen, I hope you're right. I love the Mets, and I love you. Thank you. That was great. Jim Flippin, who can work, uh, he does work at WABC, but clearly can work on a sports station as well. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Uh, Louis, great job today as always. Lou Rapino, that was fun, Jim. Uh, Justin Ellick, great job. Noam Layden, great job. Jimmy Flippin, great job. As my dear friend Gene says, God willing, we'll do it again. 6 a.m. tomorrow morning for a Friday show. Until then, from all of us to all of you, New York City, peace! Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.